0: Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcon from Falcon Screen on our Film Fight Club Summer Special, and we are with Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Yo, yo, yo! It's a new year and freelance writer and critic. uh, Still a freelance writer and critic in 2021. Rot nero.
1: Survive 2020. Booyah!
0: Yeah, guys, it's uh, no longer 2020. It's 2021. Uh, We'd like to say the coronavirus has gone. It has not. Please be careful. Please, uh, actually, it's probably the new big news of the week. Um, mandatory face masks in cinemas and a number of other public venues, shopping centers. Um, certainly, Chris and I just went to see Nomadland, the first film we were discussing. We wore a mask. Everyone else in there did. Protect others. It's the right thing to do. And yeah. don't cut that $200 fine because I like my $200 and I want to keep it. Yeah, yeah, Mask on, mask off. Mask on, mask off. Mask
2: on. If it comes to cinemas, I guess. Yeah,
0: off when you get home. If that's if you're not self isolating within
1: your home. Yeah, you know, it's like tap on, tap off, but with masks.
0: Yeah, and it's 2021. It doesn't. It's the year went very quickly. We we're just talking about how bombshell, uh, the, the producer, the star of whom Margot Robbie produced one of the films we're talking about today, promising was, young woman. That was a year ago, guys. A year ago.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. Um, it in some ways it feels like time flew because there, at least cinematically, because there weren't many releases.
1: So That's true.
0: There were independent releases, a lot of streaming releases. We got to see stuff um, immediately on streaming. Soul, as example, a film we're talking about. Oso, later in the day, yeah. But we got to see Wonder Woman eighty four in cinemas, though in America, most people would have seen it, and in other jurisdictions too, on their uh, well phones or computers. So, yeah. Something we're talking about later on the podcast. I'm
2: not sure that that film is even in cinemas in America, is it?
1: No, it is. It is. In, it in, is okay, in, in a few places. So what's happened actually? I was looking at the numbers, and apparently Australia has been. One of the biggest markets for Wonder Woman. It's about made by $4 million not, here.
0: Not a great reflection on us.
1: No, but, no. but, no, but it's, it's a good, it's good thing. Cause, I'm, I'm cause glad that people are that going, people to, are going to the cinemas uh, for whatever movie. I don't care. I but, wish you know. saw Nomadland One, instead. Well,
2: <laughs> that's never going to happen. But Wonder Woman doesn't seem to be doing all that well, um, box office wise. But Soul is doing well. It's a huge hit in China, apparently. Yeah, yep, yeah,
0: And it's good. Yeah. It's, Which, a good it's a good movie. Yeah, it's it's talk, good We'll movie. talk about yeah. that later. It's got
1: Seoul Soul. It does. <laughs> uh, incidentally, we have noted
0: the four films we're going to be covering in the show. Just before we get on to those, the news of the week. Uh, Moonlight Cinema is currently now screening, as is Westpac Open Air Cinemas. The Jewish International Film Festival is having their program launch for their February program on January 17th in Sydney, Melbourne and Perth. The Sydney Film Festival from, from January 15th are having a number of special events, including a one-car Wai retrospective at yes! the Art Gallery of New South Wales Ha-ha! and a couple of awesome screens. which we're looking forward to, Minari... And the new Thomas Vintenberg film.
1: Another round. Another round, yeah. Of applause for us. Yes. And for Vintenberg, right? Gonna yeah, nice. that's true.
0: Just going to yeah. ask to go to Sydney Film Festival again. Uh, Flickerfest is starting on January 22nd. Sunset Cinema North Sydney starts on January 20th. Now, the first film, we're going to be having Soul later in the program, Promising and then Promising Young Woman and Wonder eighty four on the podcast. The first one we want to talk about, however, is Nomadland, which is in cinemas now. It is the new film from Chloe Zhao and stars Frances McDormand and David Stratham and a number of um, true-to-life people, it's something we're going to get into on the program. It follows a woman played by Frances McDormand who lives a nomadic life throughout Nevada, having, as we learned throughout the film, um, lost the traditional life, including um, her, the semblance of a town, which was dereg- the postcard of which was deregistered following the closure of the mine, which was, as we uh, as it made apparent, the lifeblood of the town, as too often sadly does happen in the U.S. and around the world.
2: And then this film is very much trying to tell a post-financial crisis story. Yes,
0: it is set in 2011, importantly. Yeah. Yeah, um, so of the four films we're going to talk about this week, this was my favourite. Um, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed trans McDonald's performance. I think it's a sensitive portrayal of a part of the US which isn't often depicted or depicted well within cinema.
2: I really liked how uncondescending this film was towards people of a variety of different stripes and colours, you know. Like, you, you see, like, the stoner hippie types and they're just depicted as ordinary people. You see a big, tattooed Latino guy it's just a nice guy who wants to have electricity for his, his daughter's birthday. It, it's trying to be open in a way that American film depictions usually are not.
0: Are not.
1: Yeah, it's uh, Welcome to Film Agreement Club. This is definitely the best film of the week. But also, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a very kind film. And I, and I made a long post about this, about I think there's something we've lost uh, in contemporary films. It's the films that are kind and unjudgmental. Another film that comes to mind is Leave No Trace is also a classic mm-hmm. example of that. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, films like that, which are actually just letting their characters be in the environment yeah. and just showing us what they are in their kind of you know, natural habitat, essentially. Yeah,
0: I prefer Leave No Trace, which is absolutely no aspersion of this film. I think people who enjoyed Leave No Trace, which is my favourite film two years ago, will enjoy this. I
2: agree. I think it's an interesting point of comparison because they're both films about kind of wounded people that reveal those wounds... Um,
1: gradually through watching them relate to the natural environment. But it you doesn't know. make them sentimental. I think I think that's probably a really... It's a fine line. It's very really hard to walk, and especially the real characters who are there who are apparently real nomads. So the film does a beautiful job of transferring from fiction to non-fiction in a kind of docu-fiction sense, and you don't quite know where the fiction ends and the non-fiction part begins. Right. Two, two points that.
0: I don't know... Um, I'm sure, I don't know which to what extent the filmmakers have made this clear. I'd be very interested to hear. It's only something interesting to speculate on. Regardless, I feel all of the performances were very authentic. I would extend that to David Stratton, an actor absolutely... David Strathane. Strathane, excuse me, an actor I absolutely adore, who I don't see very much, and obviously was cast in this and it was exceptionally good.
2: I'm pretty sure almost everyone in the film, outside of McDormand, Strathairn, and the people playing their families, are just uh, playing themselves. Um, this film's
0: based on a non-fiction book. If that, so. is, if that is the case, then uh, bravo to the filmmakers. Uh, yeah. I, I know
1: definitely uh, the characters Swonky and, and Linda May were yeah. definitely real-life nomads. Well, if you yeah, look in the credits, castors, every, yeah. everyone's name is the same as... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no, 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 they're, they're, those two definitely but were. I think
0: this yeah. is something that's went out of fashion for a long time. Certainly Bullet and other like films were cautionary tales in this regard, but hey, um, they did it well. It might, this sort of docu-fiction might come back. We talked about The Florida Project a couple of years ago, a wonderful film, and this is very much in that spirit.
2: Chloe Zhao has been working uh, towards this for a while. Her last film, The Writer, um, got a lot of praise a few years ago, and that that was a film with, with entirely um, characters playing themselves, um, a, a fictionalised version of the real events they were going through. Um this film is much more written in terms of the McDormand character, but she completely makes it feel real. Mm. I, the right. word that I came away from the film um, with thinking about her performance is real. Yeah, as Farhat said when we were discussing it, off, yeah. here, she, she underplays it just enough. She's completely believable. Um, and she. I think what, what's
1: amazing is how multifaceted the character she sketches She does. I mean, there's a beautiful kind of slight uh, unease to her character because she's never quite comfortable uh, and you're never quite sure whether she's settled even wherever she is. So she's technically a nomadic character as well. She's never at home and at any place, even when she's on the move, she never quite settles down in one place either. So she has to be on the move constantly because she never quite feels at home. And that theme is explored quite differently throughout the film in different aspects.
0: I think it's really important to emphasize just how unshallow this is portrayal of this world. We talked about Hillbilly Elegy last year, a film which was a shallow, and not condescending, deep, condescending portrayal of people um, who of, who often lived who lived in poverty. Um obviously, these are two very different sets of circumstances. This is one that did it well. I think this film has to walk a very particular fine line because while there are allusions to Jack Kerouac and the romance of life on the road, certainly something which the McDormand character aspires to, and which is resplendent in some of the cinematography and some of the storytelling. At the same time, the film is emphasizing what is not good about the Spruce and that is something that um, a, a lot of filmmakers, that dual perspective wouldn't be able to get across. Xiao does this, McDormand does this very well mm-hmm. and to the film's great credit.
2: The physical reality of it you know, like the cold and the, the lack of showers or toilets and that, you know, just like menial tasks that you have to do is, is really reinforced.
1: And and also there there seems to be this kind of Ken Loach style of, you know, subtle political commentary as well about, you know, when the jobs kind of go away and you have to, you only have mid, you know, menial jobs, which are there for like a month or two, but you, mm-hmm. you know, you have to wait around for the next job season to come around. It's, it's, Not as on the nose, but it's still very much apparent that, you know, you can't have a lifestyle, you can't sustain a lifestyle if you want to, even though you might be attached to a certain place, you have to move out to basically sustain yourself.
0: And just to be clear, usually a lot of filmmakers would show this negative aspect or um, this difficulty through an antagonistic figure, someone who recurs or is there to, or is otherwise an audience figure you can... Um, dislike there's no one like this as we referred to earlier everyone in this film is kind there's a couple of instances including a scene at a rv park where she, uh, the france McDormand character wants to um, get something from the lady and the lady's just i'm sorry i can't help she's not portrayed negatively certainly she, she herself is portrayed as a sympathetic character and shows sympathy McDormand. it's refreshing to watch a film where everyone is not just mm-hmm. kind but authentic
2: but there still is real tension in there i, I wouldn't Absolutely. say yeah, yeah. um partly just in the way people are. And I think I like how you get to see the little quirks of McDormand's character and um, Fern is her name. Um, Maybe a little bit on the nose with the return to nature (laughs) (laughs) running. It it was was
0: fine. It it, it didn't occur to me. It didn't bother me.
2: Right. But it didn't until I I mentioned it just now, but she um, has her little quirks that rub people the wrong way. Like you, you see that a little bit in the relationship with her family but without ever you know having to be a really antagonistic figure or having to, ha- to have her be set up against um, an antagonist. But the the real tension in the film and with her performance I think is between this idea you were talking about Glenn of the Kerouac type romance of like life on the road um, versus what is troubling her internally and her inability to settle down anywhere you know what i mean yeah. like like it's not just a embrace of getting into the wild like, yeah it's, like it's the it's, movie it's, into the wild it's, exactly
1: it's, it's and it's not uh um, it's always of this. kind of about
2: like what is she running from and can she ever be at, at, at home which
1: they go into
0: to an extent a little bit late in the piece but i still really appreciate yeah. it yeah
2: i agree with that i don't think the ideas are as fully developed as they could be in this film um I'm basing this off memories of it from a long time ago, but I think the real classic of the, this kind of genre and film is Five Easy Pieces, and that, oh, that yes. got so in yeah. depth with the character mm. study of the Drifter. Um, but this is this is very good too. And she I agree goes through an arc, Though she does. But yeah. yeah, I do wish some of these things came out earlier in the piece, or maybe were explored with a little bit more depth. And towards the end, I feel like um, the visual poetry aspect is is kind of repeating the same points a little bit, as opposed yeah. to. Moving us into new territory, but it's still it's still beautiful to watch.
1: But there is actually the repetition. I didn't mind because there's this rhythmic nature to it, which you kind of get eased into. Uh, especially and in here I'd like to highlight the use of the score by Ludovico Einaudi. I'm usually, uh, you know, I Hate feel inaudious. Yeah, <laughs> music in and of itself is quite a snobbish thing, but the way it's Retentious, used here, yeah, it's it's you know it just feels very smug to me. You know, but it's used really well here. The, the way it's used here, especially. It does infuse, it just goes very well with the kind of, you know, uh, the slowness that is depicted about, you know, that you need to slow life down deliberately to kind of live it and experience it without it making it too romanticized. So I think Mm -hmm. that balance was very cleverly struck. The other point which I really liked was this kind of dichotomy between the choices that she has made and her family has made right and that tension was i think very well brought out without judging either side because the families made very different choices mm-hmm. and they acknowledge that without it being a massive confrontation it's actually a film which is just it sneaks up on you without you realizing it so you're listening to film fight club on tcr
0: um, I, we talked a lot about what we liked about the film and I'd actually like to talk about two n- negative things I liked about the film is actually a perfect segue because we referred to the scene with the family this isn't a major detraction for me but we talked covered a ghost story a couple of years ago a very contemplative film and there's one scene where very annoyingly characters just jump in and explain oh, the moral yeah, of the young. film this happens here too in a scene where they discuss the housing crisis um, I'm glad these issues were teased out I just wish it hadn't been so blatant and because of the dialogue and lack thereof so abrupt when it came to five characters suddenly talking I think that was a uh, a detraction film. It lessened the um, impact of what was otherwise a very valuable discussion and thread.
1: There
2: are a few points in the film where I feel like it steps a little bit into being too on the nose, and that was one of them.
0: Yeah, there's just a couple of moments where it's, um, we're going to make this very clear what this film's about. Yeah. And anyone watching this film will get it, will understand it. you didn't need be told mm.
1: um, but, but still i felt this was a much more short film uh, in an improvement from the writer i thought so as because, well because you know the writer was also i felt was over explained at moments this was less so so i think Sh- closure is yep. on the right track
2: she's on a great trajectory and yet her next film is the marvel film the eternals so let's oh. see
1: it's it's a deal with the devil but i'm All so right. glad disney was pushing this as a boxing day release i just i really wonder why she wanted to make that
2: film the marvel i mean i mean i guess we'll see when we see it but her career up to this point has been about really gritty realism. Does she have aspirations to make huge blockbusters? That this Marvel film could be the ticket if, to her if, making? If I don't good, know.
1: Then fine, Just But but that's the thing. It, would would, would, would people even know about Nomad Land? Because now they might even give it a chance. We would if have known about you know. it. We, we saw The Writer I, I know we, we know, because we are just, we are connoisseurs of cinema. Yeah. We are the greatest. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, go watch The Writer. But there was one, um, me and Glenn
2: actually discussed uh, something that rubbed us both the wrong way, um, which is the filming style.
0: Yes, we just had to credit the cinematography, which we have in Joshua James Richards. This film lives and dies in its cinematography in <laughs> large stretches. Very yeah.
2: documentary style cinematography. Um, uh, but it's a little bit inconsistent in the approach to the way things are shot. Midway through the movie, here comes the obligatory Film Fight Club reference. It goes into this very Malik type style, you know, low angles at sunset, the cameras creeping forward, floating around people's faces, focusing on what people's hands are doing, and um, big wide shots with like a, you know, zooming up to a tree or a cactus or something, classic Moloch. But then when we get into a conversation scene, um, it goes to a very conventional classical style of shot-reverse-shot kind of close-ups oh. or, um, you know classic mid shots and stuff like that. Malik and his cinematographers who are creating that style afresh, essentially, you just it as a unified visual approach and film everything in that, in that style. Whereas here it feels just kind of like a style. It, it works very well, but it ends up feeling more like a stylistic affectation because the film doesn't maintain the same visual approach.
0: My concern was that about 80% of the film is shot in this handheld, simulated back docu-fiction style. It's a little polished, but still feels very lived in great there are bits that were like some bits involving house a lot of the interior sequ- houses of the interior sequences which are a little bit more polished are the consistent parts there were other bits where by necessity of speaking to these real people there was just one or two cameras as chris said shot reverse shot i understand by virtue of the format and docu fiction style that was what they needed because often it's very intimidating having a ridiculous amount of cameras around you especially if you've never been surrounded by cameras before uh, which a lot of people in docu-fiction style dramas um, ex- face. Mm. However, I just wish the approach had been consistent throughout. It's a little jarring when suddenly you have one of these sequences with a very true-to-life person, and then you're suddenly at this house, and it's clear, oh, they had a nice lighting, so have a better rig for it's this. It's like,
2: oh, now we're, we're watching a movie. Yeah, now I'm watching it a breaks,
0: movie. It breaks it a l- up a yeah. little bit. Uh, especially the scene where she, um, at which, I'll just say, where she arrives at a house. Mm. Actually, both scenes where she arrives at two houses that are yeah, so
1: stylistically different that it can't not jar you out of it I think I, I didn't I didn't mind that because I thought what they were trying to do and this is how it was communicated to me was this affectation that you know uh, clearly this is a different environment so and this is a cleaner it's more polished which is the idea of living in a house you kind of feel like you, you kind of are now more settled and you get the luxuries uh, of being in a house. So I feel I, like I, I, that's I, what they're trying to go for. I, I, get,
0: I got that when she was like sitting down on the bed and, oh my God, I have a real yeah. yeah Versus yeah. the style of the filmmaking. I think it was achieved by a performance in the set design over the, what the cinematography.
1: But I, I thought I agree, the cinematography yeah. was trying to sort of aid that. Um, but I can see I, your point. That I, I, it might be jarring.
2: I do agree that's what they were going for. But to compare it to Malik, um, you know, who uses a consistent approach, which is one of the the styles that this film borrows, um, he still manages to give you a different feel when it's a bunch of people in a house versus or in an office or something in his latter film set in the present day um, versus the expanse of outdoors while maintaining a pretty consistent style. The the, the shift in style is more subtle. Then again I, again, I guess for this character, it's meant to be a, a very boxed in thing, but, yeah. may, but I wish that it was more about focusing on this person's claustrophobia or, yeah. or the boxed in sense instead of just a conventional style.
0: Yeah, I've been critical of Malik on the show, but this is something he does very well. Mm. Um, uh, the sequence is just where she was, where, you know what it was in those interior sequences? The warmth. Just the physical warmth got at the across more than any of the camera work could. Yeah.
2: The um, the character yeah. work actually in
0: it's the fantastic.
1: scene was with her family towards the end of, is uh,
2: actually very subtle and... and yeah.
0: Maybe. Very uh, I'm yeah. glad
1: the docu-fiction style is coming back in vogue. I mean, with Kirsten Johnson, for example, Camera Person, another great film. I still and, haven't seen that. I've oh, heard it's amazing. It's, it is amazing. And I think this film borrows a lot from that as well. Interesting. Okay. So uh, if Chloe Zhao is going in this direction of, you know, doing Marvel, one or two Marvel films film just... on the side to kind of finance these kind of projects, That's fine. And I feel this is a survival tactic. It's just
2: weird to me, though. She really doesn't need to. Like, she's getting bigger and bigger funding. I, I'm not sure. I I think,
1: I think they do. I mean, the problem is... It's a terrible time for
2: American film, sure. But this doesn't look that expensive. And it won the Golden Lion. Like, does she need to do a Marvel movie? No, but
1: that's the thing... Uh, does she need that her primary audience are just people like us who will automatically seek out her work anyway? Or does she want more people to go and check out her film? If that's the idea, then if she can do a Marvel film while still retaining her actual style, then, you know... We hope so. We'll see. Then. We'll <laughs> see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but then yeah.
0: I don't see... Like, I've just watched The Boys all the way through, and while I'm not comparing the Marvel Studios to um, Vogue, it's very much at that you will follow our style.
2: Right. One last um, thought from me um we were talking about the realism of the way it, it depicts the people but i really appreciated the way that it soaks up the details of small towns and caravan yeah, parks yeah. and uh you know like markets transitory and stalls places. transitory places. places amazon warehouses i really yeah. like how real um the the details are it, it never looks like it's going too much for poverty porn nor overly romanticizing or glamorizing anything it, I, I feel like she's trying to present I'm, America as it is. I'm
0: actually, I don't think the film was per se critical of Amazon, but I am surprised Amazon permitted filming. I was no, surprised by that yeah, too.
1: Yeah, but also, okay, yeah, I think we can sort of read the criticism because it's so implied. But I don't think the film it was quite overtly critical. Maybe this is the time we're living in where if something is on in your face, people just don't get it. So you know, mm. and I think Amazon might have seen the film. They're like, Ah, oh, no, this is okay. yeah, it's so fine. You don't showing have it the day to day, day to day work. This
2: Satan. So. Exactly.
1: No, no,
0: no, it, it, it's, just, it's just the big company in this world. Is nothing negative about it. It's a big company that yeah. provides a lot of jobs, which, um,
1: which, um, and uh, that's it. Which people need? Few yeah, people really, do need. That's it. Yeah. Uh, but Chris, to your point, and I think this this is a very very good one. I'm glad you raised it. Uh, there are not many films. I mean, Ghost Town Anthology or, or some other ones which have tried to do this idea that there have been literal ghost towns that are left behind in in the aftermath of the crisis mm. and like it's it, yeah it's it, actual it, ghost town. Look it up. But it's it's always done in such a ridiculous kind of reductive way where it's shot in this you know drudgery. But this was more about, you know, look at what is still beautiful out there. Yeah. People still want to be a part of these places. I think mean, this is one thing which a lot of these films and it, it's about never touch upon, it's which really is the about- fact that, you know, it's not only about people that are left behind it's also about people who have built their entire lives in these places mm. and they have lives that just can't be uprooted and just moved along it's yeah. just not possible I
2: think the film is really about like the connections between people and the sense of community and to what extent that's important to you or not I feel yeah. like that's the central theme yeah.
0: there's, there's ama- an amazing sense of a moving piece the moving village as you move down the road as they say in this film and move between different communities but you still see some of the same folks see the same type mm. of community people still see the same, same functions I loved the impromptu markets i love that the car park with well, obviously very could be used as chris mentioned as little daughter's birthday party mm. that everyone just has the same problems along the road um there's a line that's been used in all the um marketing i'm not house i'm not homeless i'm just houseless and that speaks to the ethos of this film a lot
2: the great thing about this film is it showed us a world and a way of living that we didn't know about right yeah, oh, also, totally. it showed me that there's a town called Wall Drug. And <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it at that. It at
0: yeah. So that is Nomadland. It's in cinemas now. Go see it. Where oh, I'm please, yeah, please. It? Strong Go recommendation. It. Yeah, it's and very if, strong.
2: If you miss it now, it's coming back to cinemas. They're doing a weird theatrical release where I think it's only showing a few more days maybe. And then it's coming back to cinemas at the beginning of March, 4th it, of March. Yeah. So. But
1: also, it's definitely a film that would benefit from a cinema Absolutely, experience. Absolutely, it's, yeah. it's so immersive. Don't, it, don't watch it on small screen. Swinging. And it's very big screen cinematography. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: So that, and the next film we are talking about is um, not in cinemas; it's on streaming.
2: Soul, and can I just say to start off with it, with as a segue, that's kind of a shame. This has some spectacular visuals that oh, genuinely feel like some of the best animation I've seen yeah, in recent times. We'll thing get to about that. That's not that's
0: not a dispersion. That's not a big majority. It's no, just, I agree. Animations.
2: The animation's amazing. It's the, I agree. for me, it's the best thing about the film too. But with some of the really wide shots that we see in here, I thought this was definitely designed to be seen in a big screen. So it's kind of a shame.
0: Well, maybe we'll see it on the big screen um, sooner. Maybe. The Moonlight Cinemas of the World might screen it, or it may get a run in cinemas um, when more folks are comfortable going back around the world.
2: But until then, it's on. on.
0: Disney+, Plus, which is where we caught it. Um, It is from Pete Docter, who directed Inside Out, Up, and Monsters, Inc., and is starring Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, Graham Norton, Richard Ayawade, and others. It is about an aspiring jazz singer in the U.S. who... Jazz pianist. Excuse me, jazz pianist, Yes um who we said pianist tone yes yeah yep pianist yes (laughs) like the movie the pianist um he's in so much maturity in this room today (laughs) wow um we're talking about a kid's film guys come on come on it's a kid's movie um he goes who passes away near the beginning of the film getting dark all right away not really it's a pixar film and goes to an in-between space where he realizes that souls are matched with counterparts he meets a soul who has not been matched with the counterpart played by Tina Fey and plays with ideas of the beyond and the afterlife and metaphysical being both in the world we know and outside. This isn't the first Pixar film to do it. Certainly Inside Out did. Monsters, Inc., which you referenced earlier, also plays the idea of metaphysical beings representing emotions and ideas. Um, I really... I'll I'll speak broadly about what I think of this film. I really liked it. I think it doesn't go into as much depth as Monsters, Inc. or Inside Out, on emotive aspects. However, and... I think it's a for that reason, and it has a very simple moral at the center of it. I think it's a great kids' film. While I do think it's a good film overall. I don't think it's as accessible or appealing to adults as Pixar's other films.
2: I don't think it's for me. I I enjoyed it more than Inside Out, but I don't think it's up there with their best work. But did you guys find it to be
1: too fast-paced, too short for everything going on? I think. Look, uh, the part of it is, it it is trying to do this kind of an info dump about the you know. It felt like a good place episode. Yeah, there's, there's in some a lot sense. of good place morals. Um, <laughs> you know,
0: cl- there's a line where um, we're taking a form that you can understand, which is just from the good place. Yeah, I mean,
1: mm-hmm. and and part of the problem with the film is that I mean, it's the in terms of ideas, if this was before the good place had aired. This would have been fresh, but now it kind of feels like it's a spiritual sequel to The Good Place, like an episode of The Good Place. It's also a spiritual animated. sequel to Inside Out. That's it, true. As well.
2: Swap out Amy Poehler for her, her <laughs> uh, yeah. Tina Fey, yeah. which I mean, yeah. As, yeah, as a floating bean thing with it glows. But but Inside Quips. Out came
1: out in a pre Good Place world, so right. you know it felt still. But this but, one is but, but very out, much about pop philosophy. But Inside Out, I, I disagree with Chris. I think Inside Out
0: is better. Really interrogated the ideas of how sadness and other emotions could contribute to life. This has an I'll be an important but more simplistic moral the center of it that kindness is good and that you can be lead a good life and be had by being a good Samaritan simply contributing on a day-to-day basis those are good morals it's a great kids film I just think that it's not as philo- while it is philosophically deep I don't think it's nearly as philosophically deep or as engaging as, picks as other films which isn't a big attraction because picks, it's a good film
2: it's not as deep as their best stuff but I, um, included, I, I still which, feel this is, um, this is a better jazz
1: film than anything Damien Shoes has done Captured, I that, really liked, uh, yeah, I good, really liked
2: the way they animated, um, yeah. the Jazz. The getting into the zone, which it, it, borrows a it, bit it from feel, Ratatouille,
1: the way that the, the the tastes were depicted feels real. Jazz is, um, you know, with an African American protagonist, so it's not co opted by white people. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, <laughs> which wasn't the case in what you're referring to, La La Land, which wasn't a good movie, But we're not getting into La La Land now. <laughs> at the time is past. Look, the
2: movie worked on me. Um, I did find it moving. I did find it satisfying. But I still get that feeling of like this is. I, I, this is inevitable for a Pixar film now, but it,
0: it feels almost too tight, you know? Like, there, there was too much going on. And it wasn't just, it yeah. wasn't just that it was fast-paced or too packed, Is that it was frenetic. And yeah. they put in all the stuff that they know kids in the internet age were like, cats, jazz, again, fun things. Fast they, they cutaways. They just pack all this bits in. It's a greatest hit needs some new variations.
2: It needs a bit more time to breathe. Um, and... Pixar films are so engineered in terms of how the story works that yeah. even though it works on me, I always get the feeling that like, there could have been a bit more, here it comes,
0: soul I in wish. the telling.
2: And I wish it's a little bit s-
0: machine-like. And I wish we could have spent more time in the other world because Richard Ioway, the visualization, especially on a big screen, beautiful. i yeah. I didn't watch this on my laptop. I watched this on a big TV. I'm me so too. Yeah.
2: Okay. The animation's fantastic. The other world is depicted it, with a lot of minimalism. Um like the the stairway to the great beyond uh, shades of, a matter of life, no shades of a matter of life and death yeah. um is really beautiful like yeah. the, this huge black hole in the center of it i really like the way that the other world beings are like 2d um and i like when the real world and the other world uh, is visited by other world beings how the you know the 2d um characters moving along
1: wall art and things like that and, and, and the many jerrys. which is yeah. was- right how great um, is well, the, what's cat? the
0: good place a uh, uh, version um don't, not uh, the um, stop talking about the good cat, please. The cat. <laughs> the I want to talk about the cat. Cat's great. The cat is such a
2: great cartoon. Like it's it's yeah. a it's a cat that's represented differently to the way I've seen cats. Represent, and we've seen a lot of animated cats in our we're time, right? we about to talk
0: about one of the many for on that note. Yes, right. This
2: but the, this better. is this is a cat that registers as a cartoon of a real cat while still yeah. having quirks that are particular to animation. Like the, yeah. the cat for me is one of my favorite talking animal characters I've seen in recent times it's yeah.
0: uh, no one has really been able to do it honestly really do a cat well since jerry right. and this is this great. is a great cat yeah, this has i'm afraid to tell jerry for the a, kids out there yeah
1: this has a lot of jerry's and it is a cat which is great no, it, so, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of jerry's not including the cat i'm not referring
0: to jerry's in the referring to the classic animated cartoon which is basically itchy and scratchy guys
2: yeah um i i was a little let down by the ending in some in some ways i feel like there's a I, it didn't matter to me too much. I can't talk about this too much without getting into spoilers, but it's a little, bit of a cop out at the very end.
0: I agree. I think it's just an. Un, I think it's just a forgettable ending. So the
2: movie, ultimately, I think that's it. It's just a bit forgettable,
1: right? But still still a good film. I would still recommend go watch it. It's yeah, still good. It it's
2: was. just so formula and so familiar that it can't help but not register that much the next day. But I would still recommend it.
1: I would
0: recommend it too yeah, for an easy I'm, watch. I'm,
1: I'm a bit kinder for this one.
0: I, th- I liked it. So that is Soul. It is now streaming on Disney+. Plus. The next film we're talking about is Wonder Woman 84. It is from director Patty Jenkins and starring Gal Gadot. Chris Pine, surprise, surprise, he's back. Sort of surprises in all the marketing material. But if you avoid trailers, it would be a huge surprise. Huge surprise. Wasn't he great in the first film? Kristen Wiig and Pedro Pascal. It is set in the 1980s, as the Thor ragnarok s trailer repeatedly reminds us, where a dreamstone, which grants one wish to whomever holds it wreaks havoc on the world, and um, Wonder Woman has to stop Cheetah and the Pedro Pascal character, and as the title suggests, it is set in the most 80s of years, 1984. Okay, first of all, why is it 1984? Isn't that a very
2: auspicious year to choose if you're not going to feature any themes of authoritarian government or
0: surveillance? Yeah, The Lives of Others were set in 1984 for good reason. Right. A it, lot 19- of other movies.
2: Yeah, I know that
0: 1980...
2: 1980- Much better film. Well, yeah, it is. I know that 1984 is a catchy, memorable year for marketing purposes, but... Just go nineteen eighty five if you're not going to touch on anything That's Orwellian. No, 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 I, I think I think <laughs> the film trademark.
1: was trying to touch on something Orwellian uh, with Pedro Pascal's kind of character arc. I don't
0: think it had nearly. And exactly,
1: into I, it. no, no. But I, I think <laughs> the idea was that about, especially about you know trying to touch everyone uh, through you know his ideas about, and and the idea of granting people's wishes. I think was in some sense people can wish whatever alternate world they I want. I do not think that was what the, George Orwell was going for yeah. at all. I, I know. think, I, I, I think I, the, the film well, yeah, misrepresents, misunderstands yeah, what Orwell was going for. I think
2: this is really clutching at straws to try th- and make I any connection. I think
1: it's just Maybe maybe <laughs> they didn't think it through <laughs> a lot <laughs> of
2: things in this film actually don't seem very well thought through.
1: Speaking of, but which, heartfelt. The opening, yes.
0: Well, I actually, so, look. Speaking of the opening sequence, Oh, there's God. There's this film. Okay. I, that it, was That's useless, my biggest criticism it has of the film. a useless Ninja Warriors opening sequence, which ends with a moral where You're not supposed to cheat. This has no bearing whatsoever on the entire narrative. You could argue that the end has a similar theme, but again, you are truly clutching at straws if you're arguing that the idea of letting go and coping with ideas, not having what you want, is different from not cheating. They are two different different moralities. Yeah. Pixar will never have conflated the two if they were making it actually a Pixar
1: storyboard would be like this is inconsistent let's do this again. Yeah. The screenplay is probably yeah it's probably the biggest problem of the film.
2: Okay so we are getting to that because I'm not going to let this go. Let it go. I I won't. I will not let (laughs) it go. Please
0: don't let it go. Let's get into this.
2: All right so I didn't find this movie that bad. I compared a lot of people are hating on this film violently. Um, For me yeah it's dumb yeah it has a lot of problems but i don't think it's significantly worse than your average superhero movie i prefer it to your average marvel film without liking it that much but i moderately agree yeah but i think the reason why everyone hates it is people check out in the first 10 minutes it has a terrible really really long opening
0: when it when, like you know what would have been great if the best scene in the film be the opening scene which was the second scene in the mall that classic 80s mall in every single movie that would have been good
2: i disagree but since i refuse to <laughs> let go of the opening bit
1: but i will I'll, I'll respond to you once you're done with your uh, amazing passionate defense of this film <laughs>
2: well you're you're not about to hear that you're about to hear my
1: complaints about the opening <laughs>
2: The film's called Wonder Woman 1984, right? We want to see Wonder Woman in 1984. If you're going to give me a prologue about the the worst part of the first Wonder Woman movie, the whatever her, her fantastical world is Themyscira. called, Themyscira. Themyscira, right? I'm with the Amazonians, um, it had better be relevant and inter- to the plot and interesting. It turns out not to be relevant at all, except to. Um, as Glenn says, create this moral of truth matters, which doesn't actually... Which was
0: covered in the first film, by the way.
2: Yeah, and doesn't actually really relate to the theme uh, that comes out later in the film. But we'll get to that later. But um, it feels like I'm watching Mulan or something with, like, look at this amazing young girl who can do everything.
0: But she can do everything when she needs to. The Invisible Jet happens just when she needs it. She learns these powers just as she needs them. And yes, there's an argument for... um, I, I, There was impetus to do it now, but it's just too goddamn convenient. And no explanation is given just how she could have uncovered these powers.
2: But anyway, she's a little girl and she's doing Ninja Warrior and I feel Ninja like... Much better Warrior. show. I feel like this scene could have... Not be there. Yeah, it could have not been there (laughs) at all, which apparently the studio demanded, but Patty Jenkins said, no, this stays in. But if it was going to be there, it could have been five minutes max. Instead, it's 11 minutes. It's like, we get it. She's powerful and strong. We get to watch her jump from platform to platform to platform. platform But apparently this scene was already
1: teased out and released, you know, before in in part of the marketing material. Right. Okay,
2: so here's the thing about the way it ends. Here's the thing about the way it ends. She... Slides down some little chute, which um, gives her a shortcut to the finish line. Yeah. And then her it's mom... It's like
0: a Kupertube beach where you go to the tunnel. I was about
2: to make the Mario Kart point. Her but mom it, picks her up when she's about to throw the spear and win the thing. Uh, Rob, um, Rob Robin Wright like, oh, character.
1: So the, the general. She, yeah. Okay, well, Mom d- was watching from the sidelines. All right, fine. She, she pulls
2: her up to say that cheating is wrong, but... You know, I've played Mario Kart enough to know that if you make the shortcut, that's a sign that you're good. That's that was a, that was a sign that she was smart, that she was put at a disadvantage and still used her wits to find a way through. But apparently it's like... Which, was, which uh, would be a better lesson to the film. That's cheating. It means
0: you got the right item at the right time or just had the right speed and mental at the right time. You're talented and you're good and I respect you. Also,
2: she's a little girl going up against grown women.
0: Yeah. oh so like give her a break but hold on, in the first one wasn't the whole thing that she didn't know she was special how come here how come now
2: she's amazing she's the child prodigy
0: yeah yeah this, this film so the eggs op- on so much of the first film including the chris pine bit which we'll get into a second.
2: so it opens badly and then we get on um glenn's favorite part of the movie the mall scene I didn't like this. For me, this is like it's going for the cheese factor of like say the Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire. Spider-Man yeah, but movies. but also that sort but, of slow
1: motion entry. Uh, in right, the mall yeah. scene was just like, but oh my god,
2: not nailing oh, it for me. Like the also very
1: bad CGI. This
2: little scene. girl comes in, like morphs into the frame and goes, oh my gosh, and get you know um, winks at Wonder Woman and stuff. It's just like, but what tone are we, are we trying to strike? I'll
0: speak. This to is that. a movie for little girls, right? Here's, here's why I. That's liked... not a bad thing, but just establishing. Here's it. Here's why I liked the mall scene. The mall scene struck the right tone which the Linda Carter Wonder Woman episodes did where it's lighthearted, where it's like Wonder Woman going after Ares. She believes in good and she's gonna do the right thing. The rest of the film, Pedro Pascal and certainly the narrative are going for a much darker DC universe S tone. I'm fine with one or the other, pick one, but I think the narrative and all the other actors and certainly direction is going in different odds with what Gal Dot is trying to do, which is more in truth to what the Wonder Woman character actually is. I think she's got the depiction down right. I think she's in the wrong Wonder Woman iteration. The reason I like the mall scene, it's the one moment in the film where there's not just a consistent tone, but there's a tone I like, and this tone I'm familiar with and enjoyed from The Wonder Woman and further de- envelops on the Linda. Carter um style of narrative so I enjoyed that I just wish it had not been the only scene in the film like that
1: okay uh there are a few things
0: a Gal Gadot is a bad actress no she's not she just has a limited range which this film doesn't latch onto the Fast and the furious and so the first one woman worked within her range and she was very very good
1: well, that's the definition of a bad actress if you have a limited range, but right? it's fine.
0: But <laughs> most, a lot of actors have a limited range. They're just working within scripts and narratives which to their advantage. Fair enough. That's fine.
1: But, okay, the, the hottest take I have is that rather than seeing this as a superhero movie, this is actually a very good Christmas movie. And actually, it's nice the timing of movie. this, the timing of this to release at Christmas was actually kind of apt. It, 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 it was, is, yeah. This is quite sincere. This is as sincere a DC movie I've seen without it trying to, you know... Without All the kind of godly metaphors that usual DC films have, this still has that. This has its share of gods, but still the sincerity of it about trying to go for lofty ideals like truth, then that's more important. And you can save the world because it's up to you rather than some kind of otherworldly godly figure. So the you know lofty ideals is aspiring for is more Christmassy than you know this uh, than kind of you know the darkly DC universe that's been established so far. That was kind of nice. I because- really
2: liked how it's not this ironic quip fest. Like, the Marvel yeah. movies, for me, like, sitting through... I think the last one I saw... No, I saw the Spider-Man, whatever. But, the like, Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Endgame thing. Yeah. It's it like it's, some stakes in this. Yeah, those movies, for me, like, the the level of irony where everyone's fighting to have the best quip, for me, that's just, like, sitting through hell at this point. So, it was nice to watch a movie that tries to be outwardly emotional... That tries to have a sincere message has the characters you know like swooning and crying and like try being people like cartoons of people but it, it's has some recognizable humanity in it and as farhat said goes for a really b- a big, uplifting, emotional ending.
0: All right. I um, liked that. A couple of things. On the ending, we're not going to spoil anything, but I appreciate that at least in its visual storytelling and its set pieces didn't go for the big city-scale destruction all these films do. Having said that, there was still a beam, and why is there always <laughs> a beam in every single one of these things? The
2: way, actually, that they resolve the big bad um, in this film is refreshingly different for a superhero yes. film.
0: Yes, and I appreciated, um, maybe just scarred from cats, but the way they did the movements for Cheetah, I actually quite liked that.
2: Although there is a obligatory dumb fighting scene with Cheetah, which yeah. is like classic yeah. bad it's, superhero, it's, it's, who I, I actually, cares, it's, no stakes. It's, ver- it's very spider
0: 3 C- Venom-esque, which is the yeah. worst thing I could say about any movie.
2: CG creatures punch each other yeah. until one of them stops. No,
1: no, the, the problem was...
0: I, well, I, it levels up. <laughs> level up Yes, yeah, she does that, that, yeah. that, that's the level this film was working but,
1: but on. The, yeah. the, the problem was that I, I just didn't buy the whole transformation of Christian Mick's character into Cheetah well, the no, motivation absolutely. wasn't oh, that strong we're oh, gonna get god. to this oh
0: my god okay so the way they sell it it's very not another TV movie Janie Briggs she takes off her glasses and lets down her hair and suddenly she's a different person she's a
1: babe I yeah. mean yeah she was very attractive when she did that but she was already attractive before that's right that she was well. already attractive I know but the whole, <laughs> whole idea this movie is trying to sell the idea that she suddenly became she's hot now it was like, but she already was, you know, I okay, mean, that's unless- not
0: nearly the point. The point <laughs> is that they put very little scripting effort into showing a transformation into exactly. the iconic Wonder Woman villain.
1: And the thing about this is. But still, Wick did pretty well, despite. Wick's great.
2: Wick's great. It's, it's great. It's embarrassing watching Gal Gadot trying to act next to her. And she's yeah, which is she's why I'm saying so she's so not, not, I mean, idea. anyway. No,
0: she, she's good. It's just there wasn't no, the right to yeah. I,
1: I made my point about
2: this earlier. She's
0: good
1: with Chris Pine because they have insane chemistry. Yeah, she's which is she's charming.
2: About no, no, no. We
1: need to talk about Cheeto. Uh,
2: all right. okay, just keep, stay on. <laughs> stay on target. Stay on target. Okay. okay. Wish this film had. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ouch. What happened to the pacing? This is a two and a half hour film. It should not have been two and a half hours. And yet not much happens for some reason in the middle half,
1: the middle was the model yeah the, the baba just, g they're like what what the hell was all that for some reason in a two <laughs> oh and a half sequence for God. some
2: reason in a two and a half hour film they weren't at all able to sell you on kristen wig goes from nice person who is lonely you know the the sad nerd character to being basically super evil like she's yeah, not super um, evil, but she's she has no moral compass. She doesn't mind that Max Lloyd Pedro Pascal is doing evil things because she enjoys having supervillain powers.
0: If you want to point a comparison, the terrible Amazing Spider-Man to Electro's arc. It's basically the same treatment here. It's the
2: same. It's comic book movies have been doing it's, this since Michelle Riddler, Pfeiffer's Catwoman. It's Catwoman. It's, Riddler. it's Catwoman, it's, it's Catwoman in it,
0: in Batman Returns. It's so just rote yeah. and boring. But um or uh.
2: Yeah, the, the, this this Revenge of the Nerds thing. Iron Man 3 did it with Guy Pearce. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. But anyway,
2: um, the one scene that we
0: get... That was actually good. I will give him that.
2: The one scene that we actually get to explain the transition between mousy nerd who just wants someone to keep her company to, I enjoy having superhero powers so much that I'm going to allow the world to end, is that she beats up a rapey guy and scary music plays while she does it. That guy totally had it coming she didn't yeah. really do any, she didn't kill the guy in this movie's universe that guy like I, I'm not a, you know hey physical violence is great kind of guy but like you can't convince me I within mean, this film's universe that she did defense. the wrong thing okay yeah,
1: it's actually up yeah in, it's up assault. no no yeah. actually hang on yeah, you're, you're quite right um, this film was trying to sell the idea that she started to lose her humanity and was, this scene is the beginning of that kind that of guy, trend. Yeah. And I was just like, no, I think... Where's the rest of it? And that guy was a monster. We're going to get into
0: yes. this uh, topic in the next film. We're going to talk about in some detail. Yeah.
1: Oh, God. Uh, yeah. <sighs> huh. <Yeah>. sorry so, <laughs> I just realised that
0: okay. yeah there, there's, there's a, so there's, there's a lot, Chris Pine Chris you Pine. wanted to talk so about let's, Chris let's Pine talk, let's talk about Chris Pine uh, before we do because that's a longer discussion I just wanted a couple of things about this movie first of all 80s nostalgia. I think after Thor Ragnarok we've hit a point where we're just over it it's 2021 now and I feel that but there wasn't might, much of it
2: yeah, I agree. That's part of the problem. Beyond the fact that Soviet nukes and American yeah, um, and the space race. mutually assured destruction in Star Wars, uh, the the this the film could be in any
1: any so, decade. Yeah.
2: Beyond the fact that the um beyond the fact that all of these things factor into the plot. It's not particularly 80s. Yeah, no,
1: there's a, there's a, And a couple
2: of like fashion jokes. That's and, about and, it.
0: and those jokes, the, the, the little packs in your stomach, have all trailer. been made. It's it's been
2: the, done the trailer set well us over. up for some 80s greatness by featuring one of the best songs of the 80s, which is Time Appropriate from 1983, Blue Monday. But the film features not a single
0: yeah, 80s it doesn't, needle it doesn't, drop.
1: It doesn't, it doesn't have any, any right. of the things. Yeah, like what? <laughs> okay,
0: the other point about this, in a two and a half hour movie... There's very little action, and more importantly, there's very little good action. The only really promising action sequence in this film, aside from the mole sequence, is set in Egypt. And it's a chase that is openly derivative of both Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade. It's so obvious, and especially the way—the reason Raiders worked is that um, and this reason the last crusade works because you bring practical effects. You know how physical dynamics could happen here. We have no idea what Wonder Woman, all these machines are physically capable of. Certainly we see cars slip in ways they shouldn't, which is just a trend in films now. And yeah. that, for that reason, the scene is entirely boring and has no stakes. And also just, it, in a set, it's in set a naturalistic environment just on a road. But I've been to this part of Egypt. It does not look real.
2: On the subject of derivative, the fight in the White House gave me big X-Men 2 vibes. Oh, X-Men yeah.
0: 2 was exponentially better.
2: It was.
1: Yeah. All right, but also, like, not enough of the actual soundtrack, which was great. The Wonder Woman soundtrack in the original film um, was probably one of the highlights. The music was not used to good effect. I thought the if music you want was to,
2: solid here, though.
1: It was solid, but, like, it just came in at the wrong time. It was trying to... Like, if you want to actually heighten some of these stake moments, you could at least do with using the mu- music, 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 music. Music. Music, <laughs> All
0: right, let's talk about the best and worst thing about this film, Chris Pine. Now... Chris Pine was so great in the first movie. It was a genuinely heartfelt, authentic, romantic relationship. Here they made the very big gamble of bringing him back. I think that he was good. I don't have an issue with the way they brought him back. I actually think it was quite clever. I think there's going to be some loss of faith for the people who loved the first Wonder Woman movie as to how they handled him. I feel uh, parts of it were relatively cheap. Certainly the way that he was brought back in another person's body was inconsistent with the rest of the story and defied explanation and the internal logic of even this universe. There's
2: been a lot of discourse online, uh, I'm looking at you Twitter, about is this rapey that we're using another guy's body to make him Chris Pine and and having sex with him uh, implied. Uh, Yes, and also why? Like why didn't Chris Pine just materialize? As everything else
0: did when someone wished for no, something. No, because right. they
1: had they had to go for that poignant moment when she sees this exact same Spoilers. guy. Oh, not, oh, not, it, not really. Not really.
0: It's not, it's, it's, I, I it happens very early. I wouldn't consider it a spoiler. Um, essentially, Chris Pine comes back in someone else's body. Um, Nothing else materializes this film in this way. Um, I do appreciate that it raises a lot of moral and ethical issues, which the film does not have the, either the integrity <laughs> or intelligence to go into. But it's just this little inconsistent bit so they can have a recall later in the film. Yeah. And it was disappointing in that regard. It was. Yeah, Chris Pine was funny as he always is. Charming. He, he's he's, charming. he uh, can do this in his sleep. But when they have the, I guess, final act of Chris Pine's arc, I felt it was handled very abruptly and very lazy. Uh, we talked about Life Spirit last year, a film similarly where the main character had a deceased partner come back. This is a very emotional thing for anyone who's ever lost a partner. I think Blythe Spirit, a lot of films, handle this very well. I think a lot of people who've experienced this who will watch Wonder Woman 84 will be disappointed in, again, the abruptness and I think lack of um, real emotive investment in how the film handles this.
2: It's so weird how this film fumbles all of these important emotional beats while... Being two and a half hours long.
0: Yeah, the biggest emotional beats. Spending eleven before. minutes on
2: Mulan Ninja Warrior.
0: Yeah, let's look at um, Chris Pine's the um, plane at the very end. The amazing scene, the best scene of any of these films, where he follows Gal Gadot onto one onto the Western Front. They, there was nothing like that close to this in this film. It's just when the instead of actually having moments where the actors can work properly, it's just let's have the music swell, and let's this guy's. It's like a bad eighties TV show. Here's the emotional moment where you're supposed to tear up. And no, that's not how it works. I think he right. wasn't... He, Chris Pine was not used yeah. as effectively as he was in the first
1: Yeah, movie. but even even the central conceit, which they were trying to do a role reversal that, you know, in the first film, Gal Gadot was the one who was the fish out of water... Because she didn't understand this world, and now Chris Spine is the one who's fish out of water because he doesn't understand this is the future, but not really. It's 1984. Yeah. So it's not really that future. Um, I,
0: oh, yeah, and he can just fly any plane because he can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh God. It, all the jets at the Smithsonian are fully operational, my God. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, I was just like, wait,
0: they're just okay, I, that, lying that, there in there. That I didn't mind, but there were other ways they could have. It was weird. There's run. a lot of things in this that aren't very well thought yeah, through. A lot of conceits uh, just have set pieces. Like the whole scenes in the trailer where they're going through fireworks, they had to do a lot of. Uh, plot gymnastics to get to this, and it's nice to look at. But we didn't need it. If you had a, had this much, stupid, it's spectacle. Setup. I didn't mind. It was spectacle. The, but I think the, the in, in was in, so oh, just long and pointless.
1: In in that sense, I think Pedro Pascal was the only one who understood like the world he was operating. He was in, and, so good, and he was very happy to ham it world. up. He was like, hamming it all
2: out, but not too much. But like, in, a, in
1: a good way, like because yeah. in the emotional scenes, I really felt his the only emotional arc that actually you know has a payoff that he deserves.
2: The thing about Pedro Pascal is when we go back to the the mall scene that we were discussing earlier, um, I feel in that scene, um, I feel like the tone got away from Patty Jenkins a bit. Lots of people are hamming it up too much. Um, Pedro Pascal is hamming it up just enough.
0: Yeah, he understands the tone of lightness. He got lightness, the tone perfectly. So there's a darkness to his character, which he, the darkness in the film is anchored by his character. He handles it well. I don't believe Wig does, or at least as the whole role is written. I think it's more the writing in this regard, and I think the direction is lacking. Mm. Um, and I think maybe this is due to the reports of what thirty scripts that were running around during development, which is ridiculous. But, really? Um, wow. Patty Jenkins came out. They came out with that th- today variety.
2: Thirty scripts. Wow. wow. 30, thirty versions. Like, thirty drafts. I, I, I believe it. Is that just many different writers? All and just because a different, I, yeah. because I, it, it's the, credited to. Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns, who's a DC guy who's now... Um, but then there's always writing, a
1: writer's so. room, though.
2: Yeah, and there's another writer.
1: And then there's a producer okaying. With, with so. this kind
2: of... But, yeah, I, I really wonder if it's like 30 people writing ideas based on what Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns come up with and then they pick what they like. I mean, it's how so, does this happen? It sounds like it, yeah. So. Yeah,
1: it was quite an unwonderful
2: So, film. Okay, Last thing on this, because I said we'd get back to this, so I have to f- make it so. Um, the message of the film. <laughs> at the beginning, we
1: have the like the truth is what's important, right? But what is the real message of the film? I still don't know. But, but, the message
0: but, of the film as is to the effect of you have to not just let the past go, but you have to not live in the past. You can't have just get everything you want. You have to live without everything you want, which is different from do not cheat, do not take shortcuts. Yeah,
2: um, but... The the thing about um, the idea of pinning this on wishes and saying that wishes are inherently bad um, is a strange and I would say not actually very positive message because having a wish is the desire to make things better for yourself. Yeah, telling I mean, people not to have wishes, which is essentially the direction no. this film is going down, is is um, All right. pushing right. in the direction of like accepting a bad status quo Guys, not trying to make it better
1: you're overcomplicating this this film was clearly basically the rolling Stones song you can't always get what you want but if you try sometimes you get what you which need which is a
0: fine fable for a movie if they're just focused on that but point. yeah i don't but think that message came out clearly no, it because know. it's all
1: about you can wish for something and what you really really want you know you get okay pedro pascal's arc this is what he really wanted all the other things were you know perfunctory the which bit, is
2: like with the stuff with Chris Pine is running with the message in a in a more positive way, and but a lot of the but the message is not
1: consistent. We don't even know like if that
0: is a there's message. And a lot of deep stuff in there which the film could have, could have and didn't go for. Yeah, and then the armor stuff which is also oh, thrown yeah, just, in well, there for, it's, for it's good measure. It's a sequel. Just level up and um, <laughs> level get up. get more XP.
2: And also, don't allow a, a genie guy who grants wishes into your life. Doesn't mean um, truth is important like there's kind of a, a bit of like weird mental gymnastics <laughs> to uh, yeah, uh, rectify these two ideas that they, they needed to the
1: hire world. a 101 first year philosophy major to you know in part of the writers room someone who could just go in there and say hang on you know you're doing well but can we just have all our thematic elements in one line, all the ducks in one, one row or not? But
0: it's okay if you throw out Fable, that there's like ideas and epitaphs and that people will like that. Um, so that is Wonder Woman 84, The Return of Jafar. It is in cinemas <laughs> now.
1: That's a and good one. I like
0: that. <laughs> the last film we are talking about is Promising Young Woman. Uh, before we talk about the we want to give a content warning. We're going to be talking about themes regarding sexual assault in film. And at the end of the program, we will be giving the details for the 1-800-RESPECT line, which is an important service among a number of others, where people can reach out to discuss these and other significant issues of trauma and assault.
2: We will also be getting into spoiler discussion of this film in the
0: podcast. Uh, So... Yes, but first we're going to be doing a non-spoiler, brief non-spoiler discussion. Yeah. This is in cinemas on Thursday. It is starring Carrie Mulligan and is directed by Emerald Fennell, who played Camilla Park, plays Camilla Parker Bowles in The Crown Season 3 and 4, which uh, a lot of folks will have seen. Um, it is about a, a person played by Carrie Mulligan who, will talk broadly, is impacted by a dramatic event in, in her past and seeks justice for those who were the catalyst for it. Importantly, the title for this film... Um, is take as well as the some of the events in this film, while not directly meaning to um, uh, reference either these incidents, uh, does take I believe some uh, creative inspiration from uh, two very prominent reported sexual assault cases, being the Brock Turner case as well as the reports of a sexual assault by now Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. However, I believe the events in the film are broadly meant to represent a lot of people's um, experience in these sorts of matters or understandings of experience in these sorts of matters without necessarily looking to directly evoke either or both of those matters. Now, um, I believe this film started very well. I think the first act of this film is probably the strongest. I think Kerry Mulligan is very good. Um, broadly speaking, similar to some of the films we talked about tonight, I think there is a major issues as regards to tone and Oh
1: yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, the film gets derailed massively. In, I want to hear in, in, in the I w- middle
2: act. Bef- I'm going to go on a big rant about this movie, but I want to hear from Varad about what he liked about it because I think he's the fan. Um,
0: but I just but before we, yeah, I do too. But I just want to clarify what I mean as regards to the tone, and I mean specifically as regards to morality and moral tone. I don't have a problem with a film's character changing perspectives or perspectives of the film. I think that's a good thing. I think it makes it an interesting film. I soon have a problem with a film which seeks to say that a central character is either a good person or a bad person or a shades thereof. I just think the tone of the film is not clear as to how the filmmakers of film either see these the central character and else and how they what they what messages they seek as they have regard regarding the main character and the actors. I think it's very all over the place, particularly the ending.
2: It's a first-time director's movie in a big way. Like the tone jumps all over the place. Um, And I think there's a lack of confidence in the material. Thus, the whole thing is like pop music montages. A big chunk of the film is pop music montages. But anyway.
1: Okay. I I think you've been being a bit too harsh. No. Wow. Okay. All right. I think there there are three movies in here. All right. The first one, there is a revenge story, which is, you know, uh, it plays out. It it plays out. The second one is uh, there is a cutesy, neat, cute rom-com in there as well, which I don't know what it was doing in this film because it clearly doesn't belong in this film, uh, and the third it is trying to be Adam McKay big short kind of quippy kind you know satirical political lecture political lecture about you know the right and wrongness the morality tale these all three films could be one film separate to each other but they are all part of this one film which is the biggest problem of this film if you can manage how the tonal jumps happen and they happen quite abruptly and you know they mesh into each other, and you're never quite sure what film you're watching at what point in time, because they kind of flip back and forth quite a lot. Uh, this film was actually quite enjoyable, held together by Carrie Mulligan, who is quite fantastic. Uh, given what she was given on paper, this role didn't have much to do with. It's quite a, a cardboard cutout of a role. She doesn't have much to sink her teeth into in terms of complexity, more complexity. But the way she is able to subtly bring out nuances to a character and still downplayed when she could have hammed it up as much as she could. She still downplayed it as much as possible and the tonal shifts of her own character, which often are, you know, you just don't understand how this character who was doing this thing in the last scene is now just a completely different person in this other scene. She's still able to hold it together and because of her, I think, very...
2: I think understating performance,
1: yeah. you're still able to you know withstand the film, but whatever it flaws. So I would say you know for Carrie Mulligan's performance, I was still very impressed because I've seen she's a great crier on screen. I've said that before, <laughs> but in this film, I really got to see a lot more to her, which a lot of films haven't afforded her to do. I think she is very good.
0: I think she gives a very convincing depiction and a very nuanced depiction of what tra- tra- trauma and trauma victims can experience on screen. I think I want to make a broad comment on this film. I've talked on this show before. A very huge pet pet peeves putting it too lightly i have with a lot of films where in cinema it's always taken for granted that a man can take revenge for wrongs done to others but when it's a female protagonist um, there has to be some act done unto them rather than them just having taking action against a wrong done to others this film is a major exception in that regard and i appreciate that on the very basic level of storytelling it had the integrity to tell a different sort of story than we're used to seeing i think the main issues for me when it comes down to tone is that the film by design is trying to reach both an independent and mainstream cinema audience i think you see this with we talked about hillbilly elegy and how every scene resets the tone every almost every single scene in this film has a new music cue or a new yeah. visual style and it just keeps and while it's trying to build momentum in terms of a feeling and a sense of dread or a sense of anticipation you can't do that if you just keep resetting the tone after every four to five minutes which this film does nearly without fail the thing for me about this film that is such a head scratcher, is why is it trying so hard to be fun?
2: Like it's about I get that it, it maybe the feeling is this is about grim material, so we need to find a way to make it more accessible to people. But I really don't think it was necessary to try and make the whole thing look and feel like Baby Driver. Baby Driver is Yeah, this
1: the dark comedy tone did not and, work you for know, this film.
2: Yeah, and Baby Driver with its I, I've thought of Baby Driver in the scene where they're at a laundromat dancing. And it's all about all the colors and, you know, it's actually a pharmacy in in this, but it's very similar to the laundromat scene in Baby Driver. Um, But, you know, Baby Driver is 80s trash about (laughs) a guy who's really good at at, um, doing car heists and running away. But this is meant to be about, this is meant to delve into some, like, real-life inspiration and serious matters about about rape. You know, to me, it, it... settled it to me this film felt like bad taste honestly
1: oh well no pun intended but at the, at the same time uh, i don't get no there wasn't uh, i, 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 I did not get it yeah uh the film is divided into chapters and i would be okay if the film in terms of tonal consistency was following one tone for one chapter and then as a the chapter changes there is you know a different facet of the tone coming through but the problem with this film is for example in the first chapter of the film when uh, The darkly comic tone is most effective when uh, Carrie Mulligan's character is going out to meet all these other. You know, people uh, in in clubs, and you can creepy see men. creepy men essentially. But you can see basically. And his... Brody, I have to say, very well cast in this regard. Yes, uh, and obviously,
0: uh, uh, I know he was in the OC, but he's always going to be the guy from Gilmore Girls.
1: Uh, my favorite scene was with uh, McLovin from Superbad. I don't know, I'm forgetting. Oh, Chris, dude, Christopher Mints, Christopher Pass, or something like that. Yeah, his his take is I the disagree. David Foster Wallace loving, nah man, uh, which was, nah man. Uh, I, 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 like I'll scene. tell you why I didn't like it. Okay, fine. So, I, I thought at least. Uh, within that whole chapter of the film was very consistent and the problem I have with the film is mainly that uh, every time you're resetting as you said and Glenn you mentioned it as well but uh, even if the film was a different turn with each chapter you could at least mentally come to an agreement as to okay this is chapter is changing which means the tone is now a different one you know, you know the best scene in the film
0: was it's like the second scene where she just the sim guards on construction started cat calling her and she just stops and stares oh and that yeah, was, okay, that, was, yeah that, that was good but that 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 was that was was that's the most subtle
1: thing about the whole film everything else
2: is too in your face okay I, the the scene with McLovin oh, yeah. here's why I hate it and it speaks to a general issue I had with the film
1: Neil was his name right Yeah.
2: this <laughs> film for me is a bunch of cliches it's uh, a lot of people are calling it fresh it's not It's maybe fresh for film, but if you It's follow, fresh in the
1: way it takes the revenge story. In some ways, yeah. Um, yeah. We'll get
2: to that in the spoiler discussion. But for me, this if you have kept up with feminist discourse in the past 15 years, for me, this was all cliches. Not once did any conversation in this feel real because I was distracted by it's like, Ticking off the boxes of, of um, like, that, that's why the David Foster Wallace part was like, oh, really? It's like, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: The DFW yeah. dude, bro, is obviously the creepy guy, of course. Yeah, it's like, yeah. These yeah. Ca- I, I know that these cliches... This was like Bombshell Version 2, essentially. This was like an extension of Bombshell. Well, I never saw I, Bombshell, I think, I so... I I, I, I think they're
0: completely different films, talking about completely different issues. Um, well, not completely different issues, but completely different approaches to subject matter. Okay, um, okay. But
2: okay. for me, like I said, th- this film ticked off all the cliches and all the memes about what creepy nice guys are like and I know that these cliches and stereotypes are rooted in reality
1: or oh, oh, worse that well, all guys are creepy I mean not even just nice guys right well we'll get to that
2: um, but I know that these these ideas are rooted in reality and ba- and people have experienced that but when you shove them all in one film it starts to feel like none of these people are characters they the men in, in this film that um, with a few exceptions they're not characters. They're archetypes constructed of what of uh, the people that are uh, talked about online. That, like, the the McLovin scene pushed it over the edge for me, where it's got he, he talks about how he wants to write this book about how men have it really hard. Then he says, Hey, David, you know, read Consider the Lobster. Because <laughs> yeah. if you don't know, there's a big meme online about men stop recommending David Foster Wallace to me. So, yeah, yeah. But there's the whole essay about that. Yeah. in In general, all, all of the essays
0: ma- about
2: that. <laughs> yeah, in general, all the male characters um, felt this way to me. Uh, there and are it, there is one exception with one exception yes. Yeah. Um, and the effect of this after a while, um, it added, combined with the pop music montages, is that I am watching a cartoon. This is not a film about real people. Um, I do like I said, I know that um, all of these things reflect real experiences and, and real bad things guys do but shoving them all in one film combined with the pretty amateurish dialogue, to me, um, like, I wanted to f- see an a interesting scene. <laughs> I wanted to see um, a scene that wasn't uh, ideas and lines of dialogue and, um, you know, things I've already read about reading feminist articles. I wanted to see an actual interesting character dynamic. And you you only see that in the scene with Alfred Molina, really. Yeah, Who's
0: great. Um, it reminded me of a... Um, The best sequence in Hustlers involving um, a person who is very. shows great contrition for um, for someone else. He is great.
2: I just wanted to see some meaty drama. And I don't think this film has much drama. I think it's very surface level. All
0: right. I I had a more fundamental problem with the Mick Levin scene. Sorry, I I can't remember the. I know we we mentioned his name earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't forget his name. I have a more fundamental issue with the scene, just on a basic storytelling level. It doesn't tell us anything we don't already know. Yeah. Um, There's. I think from a dramatic section, and we're getting into the really, I think, consequential aspects of this film now, I think what's really important is that this film wants to speak about the matter of sexual assault and its various iterations, the impacts it can have on people and the forms it can take. Another matter it wants to discuss is something that I'm very glad has gotten more into cultural commentary and discussion lately, which is the matter of enthusiastic consent, a, a related but, and very important, but also importantly, in many major respects, a distinct issue. I think the film is very instructive when it talks about matters of sexual assault and also, again, its various iterations. I don't believe it goes into as much detail or as much nuance as I think it wants to or otherwise could have, as regards the also very important issue of enthusiastic consent, something we see um as soon we see which we can talk a little more when it comes to spoilers um on the matter of the film's morality i think and we and there's a problem that we don't see we, we don't know what the film's mor- own moral compass is as alluded to earlier and we see this in how in both the adam Brody character and the allison brie character in that we don't necessarily know or we want to know about um their treatment or what happens to them and this is something the film um neglects and if the film had gone into a little detail here i think it'd be more clear. but i think it's the film is deliberately ambiguous um to its own attraction in these regards
2: what you were saying um to me speaks to um when you're saying that there just wasn't that much
1: depth
0: in the Sorry. In depth in the matter of um enthusiastic consent as it, right. as it would have looked. Right. I think there is some, but not as much detail as regarding uh, the matter agreed.
2: of This assault. is this is um for me what uh part of what I was trying to get at um before speaking about how it, this movie is just all the memes and all the talking points. Like it's I don't think okay. I get that people will find it refreshing that a film is dealing with these issues, but for me if you've read the feminist literature this just feels so obvious. This is like this is a movie oh, to this, tell this, this you This is an obvious film. It's, is, it's, it's, yeah. it's not
1: it's not trying to, you know, tell you something which you already don't know right. or you shouldn't like, already know.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. this movie feels um like it, it's making the same points as a 1000 feminist articles approaching the subject of rape and rape culture in the most basic way. This is and this is what I mean when I say that I wish there was more drama in there. I wish there was more characterization instead of characters who are sort of like straw men designed to say the things that men say, you know, like to okay. say, uh, you know, men do say this, men do say she, she was asking for it cause she wore this and she dra- and she was drinking or whatever. It's yeah, just this the surface level. Like- There's yeah. no real people who have, you know, any depth to them beyond regurgitating Talking points about bad things men do. Uh,
0: Materials that's something like the accused went into very well.
1: Right. Yeah. I I I do agree with you, but I think the film was trying to be nuanced in certain senses with the Alison Brie arc and also the conversation with the Dean and the arc how that plays out, especially about how it's not only. We'll have to um, get to this in spoilers. uh, That's a very interesting subject about 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 how the Alison Brie treatment. Yeah, about how the it's not just an issue about men; it's also you know how women play into it as well. So I I, I thought there was some nuance in there, but I'm not sure it was teased out as much as it should have been. But, and but yeah.
2: I, with the exception of the scene with Alfred Molina, who is outside of the main demographic the movie's going after,
0: never with male characters is there any nuance. Yeah. Um, um, a couple of... Uh, bef- just before we get... I think we're ready to go into spoilers because you are these tangents. Um, before we do her, I'd just like to talk about separate to these matters, just the style of the film. Um, the I have one point related to that and also what I was just talking about. So once... Then spoilers. Yeah. Okay. So... As referenced earlier, the film tries to go for an independent look and quirky vibe in respects. Clancy Brown, who's a very good actor, just by virtue of his presence on screen, achieves this. Some of the camera work in the interior settings do. Uh, however, I think, again, the film is very inconsistent in its cinematographic approach. I think the interior shots in her home are very well done in this regard. The rest of the film looks like a very standardly shot Hollywood film. Um, it's a very Sundance. It was a Sundance, right? It's a it's sun super dance, Sundance. Way. It feels
1: yeah. very sundance It's so Sundance. And... It's, that's not a negative, the by Sundance, the way, but yeah, it just has a look and feel as to well, like it would have permeated Sundance. And but it, it
2: was. the Sundance crowd is the type that's been immersed in this kind of feminist messaging for the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, so I it, feel like this is a real preaching to the converted kind of film. Maybe the pop style is an attempt to reach a broader audience, but anyway. Yeah.
0: Um, as a no so we haven't referenced him, Bo Burnham as Ryan. He's very, very good. He is, yeah. And uh, leading into uh, sort of the spoilers discussion, I think – Another text that handles a lot of the subject merit very well is the Millennium Trilogy by Steve Larson, which a lot of people have read or otherwise seen the films. In one major respect near the end of the film, uh, they try to evoke or at least at least maybe openly or otherwise not reference this in an action that the Carrie Mulligan character takes, which is um, directly... Relevant, which is very evocative of something Elizabeth Solanza tries to do in *The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo*. I thought this was a curious choice because they for anyone who's read the series, that's immediately evoking it. Um, and I would just simply say in that regard that if you are interested, in, if your subject matter is something interesting from a narrative dramatic perspective, the Millennium trilogy, and especially the first two books, something you should seek out because I do think they are better. I don't. Think, I, I I I mixed on this film. I do think the first two films, *The Girl with the Fire* and *The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo*, are better.
2: They delve more interestingly, I think, also into the idea of rape culture and the way that penetrates society. Absolutely. Um, The feeling... Glenn said this word when we came out of it. Uh, We we saw the film together and it was running through my mind watching it. for me, the combination of being surface level um, of the zeitgeist, uh, surface level in its representation of... um, Rape culture and things men do, and um, combined with the not very well thought through narrative as regards to Kerry Mulligan's character, um, with a, which has a lot of B movie worthy ridiculous twists, um, combined with the pop um, feel and the really glossy aesthetics, gave me the vibe that this is an exploitation movie, that it's um, exploiting. Really? Yes. To me, it feels like exploiting the zeitgeist, exploiting people's anger um, and coming out with the most shallow uh, treatment of it, and, but cashing in because it resonates with people right now. Um, I feel like it, it wasn't addressing anything with the depth to go beyond that, especially because this is such, this is such fraught and heavy material that um, to me, it really didn't feel right to be watching this kind of treatment. Did anyone else, like, have that visceral, like, this
1: is no, kind of wrong I mean, feeling? I'm, I'm okay with actually, look, uh, if the treatment is just different and if it's trying to go for something which is, you know, it doesn't always have to be heavy. I, I, I'm, on, I'm on board with that. As long as it doesn't, it's consistent, and it's also trying to do something which it doesn't. So my issue is not with just because the treatment is pop culture and kind of zeitgeisty that that automatically kind of undermines it. Well,
2: look, I was a big fan of L which, um, exponentially better oh, de- yeah. dealt with rape and how a woman deals with rape while That's very being, funny, while being a pop film in some ways and being a comedy
0: Exactly. Um, Verhoeven is just Verhoeven just but, leagues
1: above everyone else. But yeah.
2: Verhoeven is known as a, as a bad taste director. But I feel like he dealt with the subject a lot more tastefully I agree. than this did. So, um, so
1: I think it's not an issue about the treatment. It's mostly about you know what are you trying to say? Are you trying, trying to say something which is already yeah. you know said before, or are you trying to do something new with it? L did, and this film doesn't. To answer your question, Chris, I think more. I didn't
0: feel this crossed the line of the exploitation as much as the high impact aspects of it were n- so totally inconsistent so as to confuse rather than to solidify a feeling or thought or point of view in any viewer's mind. And we'll have um, to go to spoilers to think, really I, dig I, into and that. And I think we're going, are we ready for spoilers? Yeah, we have, to. Right, so, we have so. to. If you
2: haven't seen the film and you don't want to hear any further, Happy New Year. Thanks for listening
0: to Film Fight Club. We're now going to spoil the hell out of Promising Young Women. Yes, stay safe and stay well. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. But for the moment, we are... Talking all things spoilers, promising young woman, and um, if you are tuning out at this moment, um, thank you for listening. And we have discussed a lot of of heavy themes in this program. Um, we wanted to uh, highlight One Hundred Respect, which is a very important service which people can seek out if they have been the victims of. Assault or violence, domestic violence number is 1-800-RESPECT. That's 1-800-737-732. That's 1-800-737-732. Um, if you'll need to do so, please do reach out to them or others. They are a fantastic service to do incredibly important work. Now, uh, we are going into spoilers here, here in for a promising young woman. Um, just before we talk about the ending, to be clear as to my reference to the Alison Bree and Adam Brody bit, at the very beginning of the film, we don't know. We still don't know what happens to Adam Brody, and for a long time in it, we didn't know what happened to Alison Brie. I think if the film had been clearer in these regards, um, it would have been very clear as to what she's going for. Certainly, when I walked into this and saw what, um, blood on her post this encounter, I thought, "Is this guy dead? Mm. Is she going around killing people?" That isn't apparent. Um, it's leading from... you to
2: think that by cutting from this encounter with a guy to like, oh, the the um, blood, which turns out to be a hot dog sauce.
1: Yeah, but uh, it's it's also the the kind of you know symbolism. Uh, yeah, eating you know, a hot dog. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But but also, should, it, it, should You refer to the scissors later in the film. Yeah, 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 uh, Trying to be emblematic.
1: Yeah, yeah but but also, it's, that's that's kind of the problem of the film where it's trying to trying to go for something serious, where like, oh, you think this happened? But oh, no, he didn't. You know, and that's the mm. problem where it almost goes there, but it doesn't. There's, there's
2: just something so trashy for striking <laughs> that
1: tone when you're dealing with this subject matter. Yeah. Like if you, if you want to be brave enough, just go there. Just, and just go there. Just yeah. make that movie. And just make it. And there's a
0: big difference between what she did to Alison Bree and what she did to the Dean. I liked the Dean sequence. I think that was handled well compared to a lot of the others in the film. Um, she was obviously going, to, looking to impress on someone who didn't take sexual assault seriously. Um,
2: to be clear, for those who just love spoilers and haven't seen the film, she meets with the... De- we, we Actually, we should probably fill in what the plot of this is really about
0: because we've kind of danced yes. around that. So to cover what the film is, uh, if you haven't seen the film, and, or to recap for those who have, um, several years back, a... Close, her best friend, her lifelong friend, was the victim of a sexual assault at the hands of a number of college students in their medical degree class. Um, this has severely impacted her. We find out later in the film that her friend has since passed away after years of her and her friend's parents caring for her. Uh, this has consumed her life. Um, she's since dropped out of medical school and focuses on... Um, the going after like an Brody character who don't uh, who are as Chris has alluded to basically like
1: frequenting clubs and and uh, other public places where there are creepy men and trying to teach them a lesson. Essentially. Yeah, i sure. Um, she then a vigilante lesson. She,
0: she then meets um, an old friend from college, uh, played by, by Burnham Ryan, begins to date him, finds out that the person who was one of the people who was responsible for the sexual assault against the friend, of the person I think she believes is most responsible for this, has so the most culpability, is having their bachelor party, uh, begins to plot, it uh, begins to seek out the people who were the catalyst of this assault or otherwise um, negated its consequence or impact. And it also teach an attempt to teach them, unless whether it be the Dean or the Allison Bree character. She later finds out that um, Beau, the, Ryan was also complicit in this. It ends with her seeking out, going in disguise to the bachelor party where she drugs all the participants and so they're all passed out. She ties down uh, the Groom to be, as, as, as pretending that he is, she is a stripper. Reveals who she is. Attempts, like Lisbeth Salander did, to uh, put just uh, had to into his body, um, saying what he did. Um, he then, however, gets the upper hand and kills her. Mm-hmm. And then he and um, the best man, the guy from New Girl, Schmidt from New Girl, Schmidt, yeah,
1: from New Girl, um, yeah,
0: you're right. Dispose of the body. However, she's so one step ahead of them, and she, at the time of the wedding, releases all the information to show that all these men are culpable. At which point, the police show up and arrest the groom and the wedding starts But the film is, ends on this very high point of, yeah. like, like the end of Cruel Intentions. We'll have like, to.
2: It's it's yeah. so much like Cruel Intentions. We'll have to get to that, but.
0: Back to so that, the, that's the, is, is that a fair account of the story? That's a fair account. So okay. the Dean scene. The Dean scene. So, so the, the Dean was the person, at the Dean at the time, who um, negated the consequence of this assault. Um, she I think she was the one who used the language, oh, he's just such a promising man. We get these reports all the time. We can't ruin someone's life because of these reports. I don't even remember this case. So to teach this
2: woman a lesson, she hi, she captures her daughter... And uh, holds her somewhere I've forgotten where. Oh, no, no, no. She, she doesn't capture her, her daughter. She her just sends, dyno, them, sends them, her fire. to a yeah. diner where her favorite music you know, band is right. performing.
1: Right, but, but, but she doesn't she, tell him, uh, mm, tell
2: her. But she makes the the dean think that her, she's left her with the boys who raped the girl, or something like that.
1: No, no, she just. Sh- implies that he might have gone to a yeah. promiscuous place. And it's like, no, no, oh, she says, with, I've left you with the boys. In who, the same okay. room. And okay. it's like,
0: oh, but now it's your daughter, you care. Um, you're, well, 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 well you, want to, you want me to tell you where she is now, but you didn't care about my friend. And it forces the Dean to uh, do a mere culprit and say, what I did was wrong several years ago.
2: So this scene seems to be designed to complicate how our reaction to the character a little bit. Because it's hard to cheer her on when she does this versus when she's just teaching guys a lesson because you empathize for the dean. I, I, I Like, her, her message is right. You know, there it is hypocritical, but so what? Like, do, do you also find this is the thing that stretches your ability to empathize with Carrie Mulligan?
1: No, I, I thought that was quite an interesting way where at least we weren't given a black and white kind of character mm-hmm. where at least we were told that, uh, you know, she is willing to kind of bend the rules a little bit because at that point she was an i that vigilante which was kind of boring so this this scene actually yes. made it more interesting, interesting. So in that sense right actually this is one of the more interesting scenes of the film which was executed and brought me back into like this may be a more interesting film than initially it started out to be interesting that you say that the vigilante antics were kind of boring because
2: they were and they're not very well thought through and that adds to me for the feeling
1: that um she's just basically keeping a notebook where everyone's uh, you know she's just doing a tic-tac-toe What what is that called like crossing things on a list essentially. Um,
2: yeah but but yeah, the, the boringness ultimately of what she's actually doing adds to the sense that the film is really half-baked. Glenn mentioned before the teasing earlier on about is she a serial killer, is
1: she castrating people? No, That would have been more interesting actually. Like, well, that would have been like she already has crossed a few moral boundaries because then the Dean scene is the first look, time we see her willing to go there. That would have been extreme trash and it would have been honest so I would have liked it more. <laughs> um,
2: the, what she's actually doing is putting herself in this dangerous position and then wagging
1: her finger and saying, hey, don't do that. Um, yeah, it, it kind of just feels like a good old morality tale of like, oh, you thought I was drunk, and, but I'm not. And so so therefore, don't, don't
2: do this, or else But will come to you.
1: But we don't even know what happens, really, because what does she actually do? There's a suggestive well, in, things in about the like,
2: McLovin scene we just see that she says, hey, no, no, don't do
1: that. No, that, that's only for Neil because he wasn't as bad because he didn't try to go there. Right. Uh, you know, Again, as,
0: and as I said earlier, we, we want to know what happened to the Adam Burden character to ground this film. Is this a person who's prepared to go around and kill these people? Is this a person who's going to scare them? Is this a person who's going to... Um, yeah, like, what does she, she actually do? Them? Because okay. What the, does she
2: do? Because the tension about what is she actually doing doesn't actually lead anywhere, so I, I would have rather just been told. Yeah. But putting that aside, her plan is just stupid, right? Like, she puts herself in a position but where... But she's
0: self-destructive. This is the point of
2: the yeah, film. Well, which yeah, well, we're yeah, going but, to...
1: And and that's fine. Uh, I, I feel like, no. For, for th- me, it was like
2: the ending of this film where she gets killed is kind of a foregone conclusion because like f- all along she keeps putting herself seemingly unarmed in positions with people who intend to do violence towards her, and she knows that going yeah. in unarmed and then saying,
1: "Hey, don't do that." Like, but but at the same time, because she's gotten away with so many of those things, you just kind of feel like this is the rule of the film where she's going to get away with it, and when she doesn't. It still is kind of like okay, you know, you're prepared to kill your main character, so you know, props for that.
0: I think mm. that well, hold on a second. Um, she could have. We don't know how many situations she has put herself in. Um, certainly there. May there there's be, a list. Hold, of hold on, so Hold on. Hold, hold, hold on. Okay. okay fair, actually, fair. Yes. Uh, we don't know how many of those situations ventured. We still don't know how the um Adam Brody situation ventured. And yes, a lot of these situations, she could be the victim of violence or otherwise not. Certainly, we see at the end of the film a situation where um, she is a victim of violence as a result of this. Mm -hmm. So um, I didn't have a problem with the fact that she was, um, that that the film, this this is the character's motivation. This is what she did. And certainly, there are times where it could have been uh, that that violence was impacted by her upon her. Um, that's the that's the plot of the film. That's the basis that we're going in. What I'm what i my concern is what is the film trying to say? This character so is she a tragic figure? Yes, I think the film is saying that. But is she good? Is she bad? Is this behavior we should emulate or disdain for? The film, especially the ending, is so unclear in that regard. I, I think, think it's trying to have it always. Well,
2: I think the film wants us. I, I'll get to the ending, I guess, later on. But the the ending seems so celebratory, like we're meant to look at um, what this character did as good. Um, Completing my feeling of this is exploitation trash. It ends on a CGI zoom in on a wink emoji, um, which for me just felt like tonally so off, given everything that's come
1: to pass. But um, I I think I think that that's the problem, especially if uh, because at that point, this film was trying to go for a more tragic note. You know, you you know, especially the scene preceding that was you know you have this arm lying around them and they burned the body. It was kind of really horrific and gruesome and. They were going for a much more serious kind of a knockout punch. And it just undermines that by saying, oh, no, she was all the one movie... step ahead all the time, and here's yeah. a wink. Because I think the f- if... Um, Which the... is all the tonal problem, anyway, of the film. Has.
2: I think if the guys had gotten away with it, the film at least would have been consistent in the point that it was making.
1: Yeah, that the guys always get away with it. And, you know, yeah. even though when someone tries to bend the rules, they're still get away yeah. with it because it, there's all the stacked in their favor which I thought what the film was going yeah, to say. Yeah,
2: it's making all the, in a actually way smarter and way less on the nose um because way. I thought the, the film same.
1: ended there and I was surprised that yeah. it
2: continued. It's making the the point in a way less obvious, actually better written and less on the nose way the points that it was making with regard to um, the talk, all the talk about rape. Because yeah. in here we've got the talk about, oh, she's gone missing. Oh, maybe she was just mentally ill. Yeah, the, guy, yeah. the guy is saying, hey, it's not your fault. And, and she was asking for it, but Ryan- not using those exact words. So by a, instead of writing directly about rape, by... Using and, the metaphor and, of the basically the murder here is filling in for a rape. Exactly, right? and and even um, the Ryan
1: Bo Burnham character, instead of admitting his faults when the police yeah, yeah. come to him, he protects his friends. He pre- protects friend, protects himself. Protects by himself by saying and that maybe his either, yeah, she was unstable. How would I know where she'd want... when she clearly, clearly, did.
2: Essentially, he's just protecting his friends though because he he had the chance. He wouldn't. Nothing no, bad would have no, happened. he himself, well, the no, video. himself would have lost his mm, life. That's true. Yeah. Of course. And, I, and, and, and I, I
0: got to say, this, just on the subject, I know I appreciate the point Chris made earlier that. Um, with one exception, all the men in this film are painted. Hold on, all the men are painted within uh, a broad, within a broad um, that they're all complicit within this. Granted, these are all the characters of the universe. However, I think there is a nuance between how. Sorry, okay, I'll, okay, I'll finish in a second, Chris. Oh, sorry, I just wanted to
2: finish what I was saying about the ending. Um, it, it's operating as a metaphor for rape, right? And doing so in a more nuanced way than the actual writing about rape in this film. But then. Um, at the end, by having this, uh, I've, like you said, I felt like that was where the film was ending, that it was going towards this gut punch. Um, but at the end, the police, who earlier in the film are represented as essentially being um, part of the system that allows uh, perpetuators of rape to get away with it. Which, um, which would be a good be, point. Yeah, yeah, they get to be the heroic cavalry at the end. So the the message is really mixed.
1: Um, but... Yeah, do do institutions protect men, or are they eventually? Do they eventually get it right? <laughs> right, but um, ultimately, in
2: making it that um, the whole period of feeling like these guys were going to get away with it is just the setup for this big triumphant ending and a zoom in on a wink emoji. That furthers for me the exploitation vibe that where there's any a point for a really cogent um, point about the way that the system works that to really make you feel the tragedy of this. Um, the film cheats out. It turns out this was just an extended manipulate, audience manipulation tactic. The movie really wasn't going there.
0: All right, I don't on the matter of the emoji. I think it's. I think it's a it's lousy not just tone. The emoji, though, the it's the mom. whole montage. You know,
2: the cruel intentions ending.
0: I'm getting to that now. On the matter, well, the point I was trying to make earlier with regards to the different men, I think there is some nuance in how they respond to her confronting them. I'm referring to the difference between how the groom is uh responds at the end when tied down versus how the bo burnham character responds to it i think they're obviously all complicit in this but it does show how different people contextualize or justify this this sort of behavior a very illegal very awful behavior in their mind i appreciated that in the film um as regards the ending i there's this this this, i think with the matter of the cops coming into the end and being the good guys for the reasons I've said before, I think there's a problem with the whole Tone of the film, the ending. I do agree that there is a more impactful, albeit tragic ending, which could have happened had they, yes, entirely got in the way with killing her. Having said that, the function of the police, I think they did play an instructive function here in that it showed that, wow, the cops were only really willing to get involved and take it properly seriously when someone went missing or turned up dead. I think that is instructive in how these sorts of matters are sadly handled in real life. Fair so point. So I, I didn't have a problem with the film in that regard. The thing about this
2: ending tone is we were talking before about, um, you alluded to this, how, how does the film want us to feel about her self-destructiveness? Early on, um, there are, uh, we, we get to see the scenes of the parents crying and making the point about how self-destructive she is, um, that she hasn't moved on from this event and she's fixated on it. Um, and to some extent, it's it's warping her, you know, it's making her capable of things that we could not do, like the way she treats the Dean or Alison Bree, right? Um, but at the end, it's so celebratory. When it's, what's just happened? Um, a, a woman who, whose life was consumed by what happened to her friend and the aftermath um, is is raped and murdered and is able to bring a bunch of people to justice. And because... They, she's not raped. I, she's not, I was gonna say she's not raped. No, she, she's she, she, murdered. She, 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 um, sorry, I misspoke. Uh, but
1: the the <sighs> but the film was always setting you up for that. The film was always this is the the only obvious ending that this character can have because she's prepared to go to any lengths to just she can't let that one incident go. So this was the only obvious ending where she is once she realizes that this person is back in town. Uh, the that's when the plot actually moves forward because I feel the plot was in stasis for such a long time in the middle. That's a
2: good point and a fair criticism of the film, but that I just can't get over this ending because um, it's like all any of the complication of this character and the sense that we're probing about how she is she's become self-destructive, which could have been to some extent is an interesting um, examination of the aftermath of trauma gets washed by the wayside, I think by the desire to make this a pop accessible feeling. Um, you know, it, it's got well, to well, we come d- away with the feeling of everything of happy ending because um, she brought the perpetrators to justice. But um, really it, we're witnessing a tragedy, right? We I, are. I, I di- and I, di- I could not get on board with the desire not to allow the audience to feel the tragedy so they won't go home and recommend the film to their friends or whatever.
1: I I sort of get your point. But at the same time, I did feel... Okay, they didn't execute it well enough. But what they're trying to do is... They were trying to give the character an alternate life. Like, you know, imagine if Bo Burnham's Ryan was actually a nice guy. She does start imagining that maybe I can have a normal life. Maybe I can finally let go. And I was glad the film was trying to do that. It, okay, it does it with a very pop montage, like meet-cute sort of situation, like guy at video store meets e-gamer girlfriend kind of vibe, which was just... Baby Driver.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let- Honestly, the whole ending could have worked a lot better if it hadn't ended off with some verve, hi hey, uh, feel great about this, everyone got their just desserts. Yeah. Um, which, which, which also... Undermines not just the tragic arc of her character, and she is a tragic figure, but her death. And it ends. It I think it yeah. cheapens. It, it does should, cheapen her death. What You're should right. be the the impact of the film should not be the fact that yes, it's important to note that all these guys came to justice, but the thing the, the thing we should. The biggest takeaway would be that this person, this had such an impact on a person who the actual assault didn't happen to that it was so self-destructive, and that it ultimately ended in her untimely young death. That's exactly. what we should take. That should be because, the biggest takeaway. Because essentially, takeaway. that's what but the title the is. Distracts mm. from that, and I've got to say, the title is great.
1: Yeah, promising young woman, and like the, the yeah. title would make more sense if you had the idea that hey, two promising young women been had been taken, two, yeah, were taken away too soon by this one with, event, one well, one event, in event, event in some and some the people ways. who were responsible for it kind of get away with it which is what the film is going for for the large part until the, the kind of rug under your feet yeah, but it moment. wants
0: to be crowd pleasing it wants to be pop and it cheapens itself yeah, but, yeah. but to the film's credit and we just just touching on what just said now um, it talks the, the film goes to some detail about the impact not just sexual has on a directly on a victim but on others surrounding them. I'm um, reading this. I read it a few years ago when BuzzFeed released it, but I was caused after watching this film to go back and read that the victim impact statement by the victim in the Brock Turner case. It's published by BuzzFeed. It's um, an incredible piece of testimony. And she talks at some quite detail. I reckon reading it about the impact on her sister who uh, she went to the party with that mm. night. And um, this film will um, sadly, be very relatable for a lot of people in that regard. I, I appreciate that the film focused on this character and told you told this story. I just think the ending could have been told better, it, as much as for much of the tone too. It
2: could have been a really interesting take. In some ways, it is. It's just such like I keep saying, it's such a first time filmmaker film. But the thing is, that, you know, I'll watch the next film from her. Yeah, that's still it. enough will, there, and
1: it, and the performances are good.
2: I will too, but I don't know that she has a lot of potential as a filmmaker because for me, the, the oh, number one that's, that's thing a bit harsh. A, for me the number one thing a director has to have is taste, and this film smacks of terrible taste and on top of that i feel like all the charge comes from choosing to address this subject matter to i'll give her credit for as glenn said choosing this character the person who's been affected and impacted um but i i feel like it's the charge of the subject matter as opposed to anything that she's actually doing with it that gives the film its energy um but here's a complaint i i make about every um Almost every film that we, with capital F feminist themes that we come into uh, these days. And Glenn's touched on it a little bit already. It's the all men are bad thing. It's uh, to me, yeah, yeah. like like we the last time I spoke about this was never really, sometimes always. Yes, that's
1: um, what I was thinking of in my head. Yeah, it's like yeah. every, it, it, everyone is a caricature in this universe. Yeah, every, the men everybody. are caricatures. I,
0: I, I, to be clear, I don't think that's the situation. I think uh, most, obviously, the mod of the men, most of the men in this film, with exceptional exception of Clancy Bound character, I think was a great character who deserved more screen time. Um, are obviously bad. There was some nuance to how some of them were depicted, and others were depicted in a very uh, broad. These are bad guys. Look, Though I have to say, again, Adam Brody's casting, unlike McLaughlin's casting, great because he's used. To, we know him as this sweet Seth-like figure. Whereas here, he is the predator, and he. And, he, and when, we, when we see him at the beginning of the film, he's so disarming as to, oh, it's Seth. He's the nice guy. No, and obviously, there's a very true life experience for a lot of people's interactions with horrible men. And I liked how the film's casting. And work in that regard, and definitely Brody's performance. Mm.
1: This movie would have could have been called Horrible Men. Would have worked just as well. The thing about the All Men Are
0: Bad
2: is that all the men are bad. <laughs> like who who is not bad in this? Clancy Brown. Brown. Who was who did Cl- the father? The father, right? The father. So, oh, you're right. Father okay. Alfred Molina has some redemption. It's funny you say that though. Well, Molina has some redemption, yeah, um, because he admits his culpability, unlike most people in this. But the thing about Clancy Brown is, every other man was so bad. That while watching the film, I wondered how many people he raped in college. Clancy Brown. He's definitely hiding something because he's a man in this universe. I did not get the takeaway. I, um, I don't the, think that takeaway. The, I don't think the movie's saying that, but the movie works in that register so much that when I saw this guy, I was like, ooh, ba- a man, bad vibes. What uh, bad shit has he uh, been up
0: to? I, I just saw someone who was very caring and attentive to their daughter, and we saw a very moving scene but, where but he But like said, the dean,
2: how culpable... If the dean was culpable, how culpable is this guy? It's different when it's your own daughter. He's a nice guy to her, but is he actually a good person?
0: There was nothing in the film that suggested otherwise for me.
2: You're right. There's nothing in the film that suggests otherwise, but i was just so conditioned by I, I think, all the men I, I think, being, I think, I think turning out to be you, awful. you
1: become too cynical through the course of watching this film. This is way too cynical a to take. I don't think the film is even going in that direction. No,
2: look, I don't think the awesome. film, don't get me wrong, the film is not saying the dad was a rapist. I'm just saying that in a film where every man is a rapist, when I see this guy, I started to think... What's he been up to? Like, I've, you know, I don't think that the movie is doing anything textually to suggest that. I'm just saying okay.
1: that it's such a. Uh, I, I, I think it could be justified given that, you know, what happened with Ryan and Bo Burnham's character. They, exactly. They did that same thing with him. So I, I, I can see your point. Yeah,
2: it was basically the Ryan thing. After the, after the revelation with him, there was. Because a, a I would be with okay the
1: with the fact that if there was a genuine moral dilemma, if Ryan was actually a nice guy, and then she had to choose whether she continued on with her revenge. Or chose this good life with Ryan and chose to actually try to rebuild her life. Well, yeah, that's That's a genuine moral, you know, crossroads. That's the thing, though. With the Ryan,
2: with the Ryan character, it begins with stuff about like she won't go into the um, bedroom with him, and she's saying, "Oh, it's not me." And I thought, "Oh, it's not you." I thought that's interesting because yeah, say, a, lot, a
1: lot of sexual assault survivors are you know, very concerned about you know strangers and in, in, in touch and touch averse. So yeah, that's.
2: I thought that's interesting because here the narrative is becoming, um, okay, her character is so fixated on uh, what happened to her friend and on sexual violence more generally that maybe this contributes to a warped vision of the world for her. Maybe she's not able to trust people who have... That would make sense to me. The film isn't quite ready to explore that in the depth it deserves. But if yeah. you fixate on it to this event, that you make it your... Um, if you make it your your uh, uh, job and it feels, get picked and it up feels, by rapey guys... And
1: it kind of feels implied that she's also, you know, subject to some kind of sexual violence, at least... It feels because if you're going, like going out like, you know, so many creepy guys, there's some level of sexual violence that would be inflicted upon you. Right. Maybe but, to not the, to the, that extent, but still.
2: But essentially her character is not just, you know, living in a world dominated by sexual violence, but choosing to immerse herself in that it would the film um seemed like it was starting to explore that with the scene where she couldn't trust him yeah um and that that would be an interesting moral, uh character arc because yeah. it would be about like can you can she trust men again right yeah instead instead that that scene now feels warped and kind of cheap because it turns out actually this guy all along yeah, this guy just was another rapey yeah. guy
0: so, so the idea of a redemption arc for any of these characters is interesting. Certainly, at least outwardly, we see the groom at the film, end of the film being, again, outwardly very contrite and sorry for what he did as, as some of the other characters, again, outwardly. Um, the idea of the Bo Burnham character having a redemption arc, I think that's obviously a very difficult territory. Um, obviously, he was complicit in this result. That is... He was uh, irredeemable and turned out to be a shithead yes. once this was revealed. But I'm um, speaking, and I, I think, look, the film wasn't going for that sort of narrative. I appreciate that the film was going for the point that if you were complicit, you deserve to, be brought to justice, and I'm fine with that. I'm certainly he did, and the film ending, regardless of its, regardless of its faults, was cathartic in that regard. Um, in terms, we talked about, we praised earlier the scene with Alfred Molina and how Rutt mentioned he had a redemptive aspect to his character, but I wish this had a big more in more, some more detail. Uh, to be very clear, his character was a defense attorney who worked on sexual assault matters and as said by the Carrie Mulligan character as someone who was known to bully um, victims and really, and, and we'll talk about their their mm. sexual history and stuff. Now, and, and else. Now, I'm a solicitor by trade. My first job was a defense firm, and some of the matters I worked on were alleged sexual assaults, um, as you would at any other defense firm. I think, and certainly there are solicitors out there who engage in material, and that's not just unethical, but illegal and mm. wrong. And I oh, at the same time, there is um, everyone who. Um, is charged with sexual assault, deserves the day in court and deserves the right to a zealous defense. I think there is a real nuanced interesting story to be dissected here. This is not something that was dealt with um, I throughout the film, or in the one scene we meet this character, I think it's something that. Guess this isn't what the film is about. I think it's a tangent the film touches on. It's a tangent and, and that there was room so for much, much more. better if it had explored it in some more detail. I certainly would have appreciated that. Yeah, and it al- also but maybe it's a different film.
2: Also, because it's the one male character beyond the father who who has any room for redemption,
0: or at least expresses that. I, or at, least, or at least says what I did was wrong. Yeah, It's be clear, that I don't think the other characters, even the characters, are like, "Oh, I'm sorry, this happened." Say, "I'm oh, sorry, it's happened." Versus what I did was wrong. It happened so long ago. Oh, she said, I'm sick of people saying it happened so long ago. I'm, I'm but sorry, it's not an excuse.
2: but I had to do this, but I have to take it back to the Ryan character and the twist that to me, it's just so bad on so many levels. Okay. Before I was saying that she seems to fixate on this event and she seems to draw herself toward, you know, um, yeah, deliberately throw herself deliberately, in, this, in
1: sort of self destructive circumstances.
2: That's right. And immerse herself in the world of rape of, culture of violence, yeah. and violence against women. Um, so then this guy comes into her life um not by her choice. He you know, he he just shows up one day and it turns out he's directly related to the event that inspired the narrative. So is it that she chooses to immerse herself in the world of violence against women or is it just a really bad script that where everything okay. revolves around okay. this one event, weird coincidences happen um in you know in order to keep this character trapped in a spiral
0: of Addressing that one night. All right, no, I disagree. For the reason that, for me, it's not at Sutherland possibly that after eight years, you ran into someone you used to know. You're starting out with them, yes, for a purpose. And then following that, she actively sought out the Alison Brie character and others. So that wasn't
1: a stretch for me.
2: But the Ryan character, isn't it a bit of a coincidence that the the person she was in the into, same
1: city you went to the same school and, yeah, you know you can fine. run into those people i've yeah, run into run people into from, high, same... from, from my school all well, the she, time she one of the coffee. but
2: she runs into someone who's there in the video laughing and, and participating in... after
0: eight years if it had been after two months i would have thought oh no this is this may be a. for me strange.
2: it just furthers the sense that there is no interior life in this film everything revolves around sexual violence the fact that uh, you know, that
0: the one person but that she meets true. and that, tries to But
1: that's that's the film. Everything does revolve around sexual violence. Well, that's the I point know, of the but film. It's not, I not know.
0: a it's not a coincidental stretch for me that he would run into this person after eight years who was complicit.
1: But but also that he the one who wants to date her just so happens to be But that's that's the point of the film that hey, all men are creepy or a version of creepy. They might be nice, creepy, or creepy creepy, or outright creepy. Is that a good some... message?
0: It's not beyond the It's, uh,
2: it's uh, not uh, a good I look on it, frankly, um you know, I, I'm sure there's probably people listening right now going like, "Wow, wow, man tears." Oh, uh, nah, yeah. Frankly, nah, yeah. it's yeah. not a good message. It's it's not a good i. You know, um, it's dramatically boring because like, like with the the as we said about never really, sometimes always, it just becomes dramatically boring where every man is a rapey cartoon. So I was waiting for the twist where it would reveal that this guy was participating. Like, I was know, expecting it.
1: Yeah, that's that's. I problem. was not surprised. Which is why I was saying it would be more dramatically interesting We she had a genuine choice between, do I choose to rebuild my life with this genuinely nice guy who's giving me, you know, who just landed up in my life without exactly. my acknowledgement? Or do I go in this revenge fantasy which... I choose to immerse myself. Yeah, exactly. I have a practical choice. I can choose to remove myself and actually rebuild my life. So would when, be a much more interesting film. So that
2: way. going back to that scene earlier where it's like... And again, but it's okay for her to be a tragic figure. Yeah. I just wish oh, yeah, okay. the film had...
0: Okay, I've, said, I've said it. I wish, I wish the film had addressed
2: that. Yeah. But going back to this scene where, she, um, where he invites her up and she's not ready to trust him and she yeah, says yeah. it's not me. Interesting scene is the message that she was right. It's never okay to trust men. And again, is that a good message? Because it turns out this guy actually was irredeemable and rapey, so she was one hundred percent right to think I'm not going up in upstairs with a guy. She was right. This is a bleak, bleak worldview. Her character was basically
1: doomed, and um, But not just not her in, character. Her the idea is every yeah. woman is doomed, right? In and, this film's world, it's not uplifting. You know, e- even even positive. the dean's daughter eventually. Would be you know getting that fate? Yeah. She's doomed. And, 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 and because...
0: you know, this is a, this is a, this is a stretch, but there are actually male characters you argue that aren't like that. And it's the very beginning of the film. The Adam Brody's friends who argue were just like, oh look, there's a pretty girl over there. Versus, oh, there's someone we should be a predator towards. Right, right. And uh, otherwise, otherwise, there is no semblance to this universe of characters. I, I don't, because... I, look, I, I don't have, a, I don't have an issue with this because we're looking at someone who actively pursues people like this. I and think it's just that's the, her funk and she, and it's to, to the exclusion of all other human interaction in her life, which the parents express as a problem,
2: yeah, it's just that when she chooses not to by some um dramatic cosmic irony, she turns out to be you, you know the person who she didn't pursue because yeah he's her
1: worldview is validated turns but, uh, out
2: to be a rapey guy which as as you say it validates her worldview and it cr- sends this really damn bleak. Message, especially because she could This, this pushes sim- her further down a pathway but where she has to address-
0: break him with the evidence, and, this re- and I understand her motivation for coming with that evidence.
1: Yeah, but also. not so a problem for me either. But also, I think we've established the fact that this is a simplistic film. This film is not going for nuance. This is one of the problems of the film. The film had many choices to make, mm. a lot of, you know, with, with regards to the ending to be more interesting, with regards to some choices and crossroads that the film could have gone into. But this film is very clear, like, yeah. we're going with the revenge fantasy. That's the character. This is the. Arc we're pursuing, and you know, this is what it gives us. It's did you guys
2: see it coming with Ryan turning
0: out to be a creep? I thought it was more likely than not that would happen.
1: Yeah, the movie's just not
2: operating on a new enough level for there to be
0: characters who aren't rapey men. uh,
1: If if you were to suggest the film is not dramatically that interesting because it just ticks all the boxes and then after a while becomes that was my biggest problem, then yes, but if you're going to say that. It sends out a bleak message. I'm, I'm okay with that. A bleak message is fine. But it
2: celebrate. But it, I, I'm fine with a bleak message too. But it cheaps out on that by trying to give you the like, yay, the rapists were caught. Which but, undermines the bleakness but, of the no, But that's the
1: thing. Is that even a celebration? Woo-ha. It's more like she's dead. But the, like, it, but the tone but the, of the, the film. The tone goes for that. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Fair Fair enough. Enough. So what,
0: what, What's the song that's played at the end? The Morning Angel. Yeah. Oh, of all the songs, to choose it'll, yeah. It'll bad
1: the, the, the music choices uh, really don't really help. Really terrible. Don't um, help.
2: The, yeah, the pop montage for me, the pop montage style um, is so easygoing. We're having fun. That it's like I said earlier on in the non spoiler section.
1: It's, it's trying to score. be at a Mackay, like you know, yeah. very big shorty.
2: But it's constantly jarring with the subject matter. Hustlers, at, really. It's constantly jarring with the subject matter about trauma and rape for me. Did we, and did we really need an epic trailer version of Toxic while she dresses as Harley Quinn to go to the the, the cabin
0: with the rape party in the woods or whatever? No, it would have been enough. The, the image of her in that costume... It's not a rape party, woods, I'm just, I'm, I'm being an asshole now. The image of her walking through the woods um, was uh, eerie and made the point enough.
1: And Gary and Mulligan pulled it, like, you didn't need the music montage, she was... Good enough to convey the creepiness yeah, of the. Source. She's great. Like, not, 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 yeah, there's nothing bad about
0: her performance in this film,
1: and it's really she's weird good. because really the, good. tonally the film is all over the place. It's very mm. hard as an actor to actually be very sure of what you need to do at you know, different scenes because the scenes do not add up as we've discussed. Like, yeah, you
2: know, it, I think what gives it the exploitation vibe to me is that it has some very heavy hitting, it has the shock twists, like Ryan's a rapey guy. It it's, has not the, sho- it's not shock, though. It's I not know but it's twist. meant to be. Yeah, um, okay, fair. Um, you know, combined with, like, meet cute, he's, he sings Paris Hilton at the pharmacy. Um, <laughs> and then it's got the she gets murdered... Yeah. at the end um it's, it's got all these like shock moments yeah I mean, and while yet yeah, seems to when we just dissect the narrative even it the seems nice, very yeah. like simplistic and poorly thought through yeah
1: surprise even the nice guys are creepy
0: right uh, and it's relying yeah. on the, which is not which is which is a fair message to say yeah. people like this who are outwardly charming uh can be um yeah. sadistic, I do so, sadist, and actually, can be, yeah, and I, can I can an be guilty of crimes.
2: Yeah, I, I, but imagine if she wasn't a vigilante. Imagine if she was just a traumatized... If we cut the whole vigilante bit, which I guess sells the movie in the trailers. If she was if she just she a traumatized not, person who ran into this Ryan yeah, person, then it okay. turned out he was a creep, and then she went for revenge in the woods, that would be a much better narrative. If she wasn't a...
0: But if she, if, she, if, if, if the, she didn't have this singular focus, then... Um, yes it would make less sense if she was it would still make sense but it would make less sense if she was only meeting people like this having said that as, as said before she actively seeks a she people actively, like this yeah. mm. um, which is a, a similar to it's kind of the inversion of um, I think something I disagreed with uh, both you on with God to so they really, never really sometimes always where I think there was concern that these characters are always meeting but again these people who aren't to be fair you missed You missed the part let, of the let, film I, the moment I, I, with the bunch of let, let me be clear you missed a let big part uh, Okay, let me be clear with my point. Um, if though they aren't actively seeking anyone out in this film, so the only people who actually are seeking them out, yes, are people who don't take their more than subtlety hints so that they don't want anyone to speak to are creepy men. So I didn't have an issue within that film, and I didn't have a problem given her trajectory and singular focus in this movie.
2: In the, like we said, um, though, <laughs> it never really sometimes always um, in the section before you came in, there were like four creepy
0: rapey guys. Yeah. I'm factoring that in. Yeah. yeah. I'm very, the scenes like on the bus and in the train station. And yeah, else. yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, it was mostly the beginning of that film actually that gave me that
1: overriding impression. Look, um, I, I, I think I can see how the film set you up. Like Chris, like I think, I think you've, you felt set up. By yeah, the film. I did. You know, so I think you're having a stronger reaction to it. Uh, but I can see the point i'm I'm not going to say it was an exploitation film for me in that sense, but I can see how the beats and how they played out were so obvious that it made you feel like, of course, this is the track this is what I'm gonna go yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. It. So it just made it a less interesting film. I'm granting I'm saying that, that that's fine. I, I had an issue with how it could have been more interesting, given that there were several tangents that were just left and never explored again
2: i I just wish um. Okay, I'm I'm now having a second thought, which um, I don't think the film really. I, maybe this this twist with the Ryan character will work for some people because they'll see it as a, a representation of the way that people get re-traumatised, that you try to live your life but something comes up out of nowhere um, and brings back brings back the traumatic memory. I just don't think it's a um, given. Everything else going on, I don't think the film explores it. On it, it just ends up feeling the, the, cheap the, the because prob- of the, the way problem that, the like, film is by choice or by cosmic coincidence. Um, everything revolves around this one event. Yeah,
1: no, no. The, the, film, the problem with the film is the film is not short enough to... I don't think it's cosmic coincidence. I think it's what she's actively doing. Yeah, and the No, fact but
2: with Ryan,
0: though, that was more of a cosmic coincidence. That she ran into him?
1: No, I don't, I don't think... So. I think it's yeah, totally well, possible no, it's, it's, that it's, people it's, would, it's a small group of people yeah. that
0: had a small medical class yeah. at an elite university. They are small medical classes. And, of co- and it's not surprising that yeah, he would a coffee more shop more you complicit. Can, yeah, he yeah. ran into someone, and if you're... And, and, if, and when she had the choice of either... As as the victim's mother did, actually moving on or seeking justice to her own um, detriment and um, and health and life, then that's a choice she made. Again, tragic arc, fine. Um, the film could have ended on many better, many more nuanced, and more thoroughly thought through notes. Hmm. So,
2: okay, I, I, I'm. We've about squeezed all the life out of this film that we possibly could.
1: But but I'm glad the film is generating so much discussion. I mean,
2: it's. It can't not. It's it's dealing with such yeah. such fraught subject matter that it can't not um, create yeah. massive discussion. Uh, I, I
1: agree. So yeah. you know, I guess people it's just can that, to me, seek it out and make up their own mind because it's still it's gonna it's gonna invite a lot of reaction. Like regardless of what you feel about it, yeah, yeah, you're going to feel strongly about it either way. As we you've realized, we're all. Mm. Have uh, very different takes, even though we mm. diverge or converge in different ways. I'm glad I saw it. Did
2: I, I, I uh, as for I said earlier on, like let it go, let it go. But did you not get any of the <laughs> feeling of like this is this is like a cheap schlock twist when
0: Ryan was revealed to be part of it all along? Did you? No, get, no, it, no, it, no, it's, no, no, It's not. It, in it, fact, if, if it, was, she, it was. It's in a small world with these people and makes them the focus and this guy is that we established is the very close friend of the man of the yeah. main person who was invited to to that he was invited to his bachelor party and they made in contact and if they had a small group of medical college friends who they trusted and um then
1: it, uh, it's not beyond the real possibility it's not schlock or cheap it was the most obvious twist which is what i have a problem with it was the obvious arc to take uh, it would be more interesting if they'd gone in some other direction. I mean... But it chose not to. I think that's the problem I have with it. I don't think it was cheap or schlock. It was just dramatically boring. Films are selective.
2: They take shortcuts. They don't represent reality as it is. But it's still, to me, just... But it was internally us.
1: consistent in the world that it was depicting. It this, just, this person was
2: actively seeking yes, out only was. those people. I guess I just... Yeah, but he, she didn't actively seek out this guy as
0: a rapey guy. Yeah, like, but was like... A twist. What,
1: yeah, but, but still, I, it, this it, person was still from her kind of circle. So, 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 but
0: this, this, is, this, so this is not beyond their own possibility at all.
1: Yeah. She knew that
0: there were a number it's of not people who, who of were complicit in the assault. It is um, entirely believable, sadly, that one of them would be the person who was a close confidant of... This figure, who
1: was the guru. If, if this person is so close friends, they, they you know, yeah. as guys do, they they confided in each other about like what happened. So you know, maybe and I'm he also just, chose not and, to. And, and this maybe, was um, set up earlier where
0: they said, "Oh, we we're all so close. We're always yeah, all hanging yeah. out, and parting, spending time together." Um, I believe it.
1: Sadly,
2: maybe I'm just reacting about how closed off this universe is, and to me, how it feeds into how cartoonish the whole thing is.
0: But we don't. But we, but we see glimpses of, do I think enough glimpses of the broader world where what she's focused on, going after randoms in clubs. So that didn't that didn't bother me. Oh, so I just we haven't mentioned it, but Molly Shannon generally had one scene in this film, but she was great as the victim's mother. Mm. Um, gave it much the needed grounding. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. So that was yeah. promising young woman. That promising young woman. It is in cinemas come Thursday, seventh of January. yeah, seventh yeah. Of, yeah, of January. Excuse yeah. me. Um, we, we've talked about a number of very confronting issues in this episode, um, there is a very important helpline. As uh, there are a number of others, which uh, people seek, can seek advice on and support as regards matters of sexual violence, violence, domestic violence, sexual assault. And that's one eight hundred respect. Um, that number is one eight hundred seven three seven seven three two. One eight hundred seven three seven seven three two. If you feel need to, or if you would feel following discussion that um, it's a sort of, that's a sort of discussion um, support or guidance you'd like to seek out, please do reach out to them or others. They are a very good and a very essential helpline.
2: I just had one. I know we're done, but I just had one more thought. Um, talking about this this all men are bad kind of vibe message that you could take away with the film from the film, and me saying is that such a good message? Um, I guess I just react against the message that. Um, at this point in history that we all need to trust each other less. You know, people are so divided right now that it's one thing to um, be aware of um, these issues and hold men to account and, and wish for people to be better. And there's um, it, it's another thing to reinforce this worldview um, that you should
0: hate people and that you shouldn't let your guard down and that you shouldn't trust people. It didn't bother me because there are characters depicted in the film I'm referring to um, the parents, all the pa- three sets of pa- three parents in this film, where it is shown these are people you can seek out, where she has people who are both good and an emotional support grounding. Um, I think that does exist in this universe. Mm.
1: Yes. And, and the other thing is, I think there's a clear choice that the film gives that this person is deliberately trying to put themselves in situations where they would more likely than not only meet these kind of characters. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, I, it's not like all men are bad, all men in this universe where this person is actively only deliberately getting themselves involved in and isolating from the rest of the universe, which is very clear, the film makes it clear that the film is isolating, this character is isolating from other potential avenues of, of social engagement yeah. that they could engage in. They're not doing that. The twist so,
2: just wouldn't have rubbed me the wrong way as much it's not if even we a didn't twist. have this scene yeah. um, where it, it made the point about she's unable to trust. Um,
1: but it, as you yeah.
2: said, then it validates her worldview. Yeah, I, just, uh, I, I, just I think the problem is that there, there are certain this. tangents
1: that some yeah, you know? could explore to make it more dramatically interesting in terms of actively real choices that the character could ha- have had. Mm. The problem is the film she starts no a month's cho- trajectory. She's, ar- she's already gone. The, the ending, the ending is obvious from the moment that she starts. There's no nothing that derails or no. gives her an actual choice. Yeah, she's dramatically was, interesting. Yeah, she's 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 doomed. Yeah, yeah, and. The problem is there's not even the the proper tragic uh, you know, sucker punch cut that would come even though you know, I I'm happy with the, if we knew where you're going with it. As long as you're giving us the validation and the you know the payoff that, you know, this character deserves, like, oh, this is a sad character, this is a sad end. But no, it goes for a triumphant woo-ha which is undermines the entire point of the film, even within the film's own logic. Yeah.
0: So that is promising women, it is in cinemas from Thursday. Uh, Soul is streaming now on Disney+. Wonder Woman 84 is in cinemas now. land is also in cinemas for a little bit of time, but we'll have a later cinematic release. From the
2: 4th of March. Yeah.
0: Uh, please do stick out the City Film Festival screenings. Remember to wear a mask in cinemas and keep the $200. It is compulsory and for good reason. Um, stay safe, say well. Let us know
1: what you want us to fight about. Let us know what you thought of our reviews this week. Yeah, um, we, we, we we this was fun. I enjoyed it. This was really good. I'm, I'm glad that we had different opinions. It's been, it's been a while. It makes it more interesting. Yeah, yeah definitely absolutely film so, fight club is back putting the fight back in fight club yeah have a
0: safe night have a safe january um enjoy have, have a safe, safe new year safe new year god it's still 2021
1: and if you're in new south Wales, you know uh yeah enjoy uh safe stay, stay safe and watch movies but safe if you're south not place. in new south Wales, enjoy even more yeah <laughs>
0: yes. you probably have already enjoyed a good new year yeah. yeah if you're in victoria right now um or else yeah it's uh well, it's an evolving situation which obviously will impact the world and we'll continue to read coverage on that front. Good night. Keep streaming.